Boom. Ready? 27? Yeah. Welcome to whatever episode number 27. Uh, this week we've got a lot on our plates. We're talking about Star Trek. We're talking about uh, the Marvel and DC universes. We've got some slightly new Star Wars news, although nothing too revelatory, I think. We're going to talk a little bit about video games, comics, you name it. Stick around. we got a lot to go. start talking now so well yeah but i cut that out have you not listened to like <laughs> one episode of the show <laughs> there's an interstitial where we play more music yeah i know i know yeah anyway um we're uh at, i'm i'm eddie of course matt yeah i, uh, I listen to the show sometimes i promise <laughs> <laughs> um i can't remember who i was just reading uh oh it was steve carell steve carell's never watched an episode of the uk office because he didn't want to be influenced so just go with that like i didn't want to be influenced by my past thoughts so i just don't I can't I don't stand listen. watching my own work yeah <laughs> just too hard um all right, so let's open up. We're going to talk about video games first. Yeah, um, so this I, I just kind of threw this in here real quick because it happened just before the show, um, before Eddie came over, and that is uh, I got a, a an invitation to join a party, and I assumed it was from Eddie. Yeah. Turns out it was actually from his, his kid, Yeah. Uh, Jack, and Jack proceeded to whip my ass at Battlefront a lot. <laughs> now, I know what you're thinking. You're probably sitting, listening to the show going, well, that's because Matt's borderline retarded or something. And it's not at all. Like, um, so Jack, I don't like even playing with him very much anymore because he kicks my ass too. And then I was watching him play online and he he, um, he plays Battlefront uh, on the PlayStation. And he pretty consistently uh, um, comes in in the top 10, which is usually better than I do, or even the top five a lot of the time. So, yeah. Um, kids savant. A little, savant is the word that yeah. I, I like to use. Kid, kids a little freaking um, prodigy asshole when it comes to playing that game. So, anyway, a prodigy would imply that you're good. Uh, well, no, that's uh, prodigal. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah uh, close enough. Whatever, yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, I suck. He, he. Um, I don't. We haven't played in a long time, but he'd probably just wipe the floor with me at this point. So, yeah. Um, all right, so in more in video games, finally, this is going to be probably, uh, I don't know, about six years old for everybody else. Um, <laughs> but uh, so I've talked about this on the show before. I've really, really desperately wanted to play The Last of Us. Uh, but up until very, very recently, I haven't had any mechanism to do that because I wasn't going to buy a PlayStation just to play The Last of Us. Um, and then it so happens we decided to pick up a PlayStation 4 for uh, uh, Jack, you know, so he can kick Matt's ass at Battlefront um, this last Christmas. Um so I, I just picked up a, a copy of The Last of Us Remastered, um, since, of course, it was a PlayStation 3 game to start off with, and I just started playing that this last week, and I'm not too far, but it's fucking really good so far. Like, I, I'm really glad because the hype behind this game in my mind is, you know, like, hype levels over 9,000 type of thing, um, but so far, it's, it's really good. Um, if you're a fan of The Walking Dead, um, or you know somebody who's a fan of The Walking Dead, like, I was encouraging my wife to just watch me play. Like, this is one of the few games where I think it's totally legit to just watch somebody else play it. Or even if you don't want to play the game yourself, you could probably go watch the whole straight YouTube walkthrough and you'd get a lot out of it. Um, so the story is great. The, the voice acting is, like, uh, uh, second to none, essentially. The voice acting is amazing in this game. Um, and... 
the mechanics are all really solid too. So like the the gameplay is interesting and they change it up enough to keep the gameplay interesting so you don't reuse the same three mechanics every five seconds. They do enough do, new stuff with it that it stays interesting, um, at least as far as I am now, which admittedly is not very far. Um, I think I've only played for probably about three or four hours now. Right on. And that's PS4? Yeah. I might have to... Uh... You should let me know next time you're gonna you're gonna play if it's in the evening. Yeah, and uh, I'll see if you I go, can jump on and screen share it. Yeah, I had Ashley. Um, if you want to, because it's a little bit, I'm a little bit further in the game, but at least go watch the opening. It's got an opening, um, and I, I don't want to give too much away, but the opening starts quite a ways before the main events of the game. Um, but the opening really kind of hooked me, uh, uh, like right away. Like I knew it was a game I was really going to enjoy within the first five minutes of playing. So, um, yeah the opening is fun to watch and it's, it's fairly low intensity, like to play too. So right on. Um, cool. Yeah. We're, we're let's, uh, let's dive into some, and I'm not trying to rush anybody. Um, it's no. just, we gotta, we I gotta, don't have a lot to talk about cause I don't want to give a whole lot of the game away. Suffice it to say, if you've been like me sitting on the fence about whether or not you should play this game, the answer is yeah, almost certainly. Oh, one other comparison I wanted to draw too. If you really like the walking dead, um, this game, although, uh, similar, in a lot of ways, I think you'll like it. It's different enough that it that it's not. Um, it's new. It's not yeah. derivative. Yeah, it's not completely derivative, um, but it's similar enough that you get a lot of those kind of vibes from it. Um, but there's still enough differences that make it sort of its own thing and interesting still. Um, so yeah, go check that out. Sweet. Um, we we are gonna kind of brush through some stuff, um, and not because it's not important, but because actually where we're gonna end the show today. Um, this it's, is this is our uh, hors d'oeuvres. This is our appetizer course, essentially. We've got some the meat and potatoes are coming up. Yeah, Eddie and I actually haven't talked in a couple of weeks. I mean, we've communicated via text and whatnot. Like we're not ignoring yeah. each other, but um, parts of his wife him. periodically explode, like yeah. every ten or fifteen years. Yeah, it, it is almost like clockwork. And it happened again this last week, so we we couldn't record last week. Yeah, my wife decided to go ahead and have her appendix uh, uh, try to blow up on her, so we had to go in for emergency surgery, and then, of course, 10 seconds later, um, she got home and it got infected, so she's been nigh-on useless, uh, and, of course, you know, that's expected, but... Remember when she got her belly button pierced? Yeah. What a nightmare that thing was when it grew that, like, third arm? Yeah, that was really neat. Yeah. Anyway, um... (laughs) So, anyway, that's why the show's coming out a little bit uh, more lengthened between than we would normally like to do, so... Um... And where we want to end the show tonight is actually probably going to be some good back and forth discussion um, on comic books. So just bear with us and we're going to we're going to get there. It's just we got we got a couple other things we want to talk about. Star Trek being one of them. Um, First, some cool news uh, from my side of things. And that is I just actually started watching the Blu-ray remasters of Next Generation. Oh, really? And they're really pretty. Yeah, that that is a show that almost begs for Blu-ray. Here's the thing. Unlike a lot of shows, they were actually recorded in pan and scan. So even though they're remastered in, in 1080p, mm-hmm. they're still pan and scan. That was the thing that shocked me the most is, is I, I started watching them and I was like, this, my screen is still square. Bummer. Um, yeah, it is what it is, but it's still really, really neat to look at. Yeah. So um, just started... Uh, I think I watched, uh, or, you know, I'm not going to lie, I slept through Farpoint because I've seen that episode so many times. Oh, God, yeah. But uh, the second episode, or third, if you will, because I think Far- Farpoint was a two-parter. Yep. Um, But uh, the the Naked Now, I think that's the one it is. 
That sounds right, but honestly, I haven't done a TNG rewatch for they, a little they while. Encounter, they encounter they um, encounter uh, another Federation ship, and everybody's gone insane and killed each other. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um, in fact, I think it's the one where Yar fucks Data, if I remember. Oh, right. Oh, yep, you're correct. Because yeah. that that's also uh, I, it's a little bit of a low point in the series. The whole the whole first couple of seasons, <laughs> but but especially season one, parts of it are just kind of bordering on awful. Yeah, but Will Wheaton's got some great lines. Yeah, he does. Especially in that episode when he takes over the Enterprise. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. And a new day dawns for the crew of the Enterprise. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway, yeah. no, what was cool though is like I was kind of flipping through the stuff to that I had to watch and stuff like that, looking through, and my kid pointed out Star Trek and she was like, I want to watch that. And she's three. And I'm not gonna, I'm I'm not gonna take Star Trek away from her. Like if if she no. wants to watch it at the age of three, like fuck yeah, she's gonna watch that's, it. That's that's where your like dad heart swells three sizes. You're yeah. like, yep, yep, I done right by this child. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. And if you guys get a chance to check them out, uh, the the Blu-ray remasters definitely do it because I mean that's that's a good series anyway. If you're listening to the show, you're not opposed to watching things like that, so you might as well yeah watch a, a remastered version of it. I, I will say, um, I think the last rewatch I did of uh, TNG was probably two or three years ago, and I distinctly remember thinking, um, where a lot of material dates itself, especially stuff um, you know, from the 80s and that far back, a lot of that stuff dates itself really fast, but I found quite a lot of that, um, the, the series to be uh, poignant and relevant to today. Um, the Four Lights episode, uh, what's it called? Is Chain it of Command. Yeah, Chain of Command. It's a two-part episode. One of the best uh, two hours of TV, like basically ever. It's actually, I don't know if it's the first episode where we actually get introduced to the Cardassians, but it's it's one of the first episodes where we see exactly what fucking bitches they are. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, they go on and play a huge role in Deep Space Nine later yeah. on. But uh, the Inner Light too, still one of the best episodes of TV ever. Yeah. yeah. Um, the thing about that is, and and honestly, once you get past the first two seasons everybody like there there's kind of a uniform look at that point and yep they don't look quite so dated and whatnot so it's it is good um pretty much just keep watching once jordy gets the gold shirt you should be good yep they when they go they grow the beard once once Riker grows the beard technically Riker had a beard in season two and yeah. that that season um th- that was shorter too and i don't know what was going on that year i don't know if there was like a writer strike or whatnot um it would have been 1988 when that season began though that that season was all kinds of weird though because that's the one where they brought in pulaski isn't it mm-hmm. yeah uh, and, and she was only there the one season yeah because but, they, but they leslie like, was still there <laughs> yeah they they essentially fired gates mcfadden which was a really weird choice you know when her son was still on the cast um yeah. and then of course season three they brought her back um and got rid of pulaski even though i didn't mind pulaski i don't i didn't think no she was different but than Beverly, like for all intents and purposes but yeah she was kind of like i don't know like comparing her to, to dr crusher is kind of like comparing um uh, uh like matt smith to david Tennant when it comes to the the doctors and yeah. doctor who because they're they're a lot maybe maybe that's not quite as as because those two are are somewhat similar i mean not exactly but yeah if you bring 12 into it i think that's quite you get quite yeah. a bit different feel yeah um anywho but yeah um so anyway, check them out. It, it was fun, and I didn't rush through that as much as I should have. So whatever. Uh, the other thing we got in Star Trek news is that the new Star Trek series is going to be helmed by uh, Brian Fuller. Did you know who Brian Fuller was before this? Yes. Yes. But so that's because I. I've watched every Star Trek series that he's been involved with. So 
Um, so Brian Fuller, actually, I haven't really had much experience with Brian Fuller outside of, uh, the, um, or in the Trek universe. What I have seen him in that I've loved uh, are a few different shows he did. Uh, Pushing Daisies. Oh, Pushing Daisies is is amazing. Pushing Daisies is a great show. And uh, Dead Like Me, I think, was Brian Fuller, too. Yeah, it was. Um, If you watch Dead Like Me, uh, make sure you stop before the movie because that'll just be sad for everybody. So stop before the movie, but Dead Like Me, the first couple of seasons were, uh, I think it is actually only two seasons. Um, but the the stuff that's on TV is pretty much universally awesome, too. Brian Fuller is pretty much known as the two-season guy because Pushing Daisies was also only two seasons. And yep. then Hannibal, he he helmed Hannibal, which yeah. is also done after two seasons, I believe. Oh, did it only get two? Yeah. I thought it went to three, but yeah. Did but it go three? I might, might, might have. I don't remember. I only watched a few episodes of Hannibal, and it was really good. And I think the thing with that one was it just kind of fell on the uh, back burner of all the shit that I was watching at the time. It was good, but it wasn't must watch. And that's, that's kind of a, where it got me. And then parts of it are kind of dry. Yeah, for sure. Like when, when Hannibal Lecter is, <laughs> uh, is kind of your main, a joke there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when Hannibal Lecter is your main character, um, and you're trying to come off with a protagonist that's also fucked up. Like it, it gets really hard to follow in some places. And it's not that I'm too stupid to get it. It's just that sometimes when I'm watching TV, I don't want it to be nearly that complicated. Yeah. Um, that's like house of cards for me. Like I have to, like there are some shows that I come home and I sit and I watch a beer and or I grab a beer and I sit down and watch and kind of, you know, maybe I flick around on my phone or some shit like that too. But like house of cards or Hannibal or those types of shows where like you sit down with like a pen and paper and you take notes on that shit because you know that this stuff is going to come back in like three episodes or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, not, not always something that I can do. So that's why I, although I really do like house of cards, you know, this is a tangent now, but, um, I'm still only first few episodes of season two and it'll probably take me just as long to get through the end. Yeah. Like Kevin Spacey will have died at the age of 90 by the time I get through the series. Probably. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. We'll see. Of cancer. Yeah. Probably. At age 70. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's all we got on Star Trek this week. Um, so we got some other, th- this is probably a quick story, Star Wars. Um, we got some Star Wars news this week, and that is that episode eight has begun filming. So be- before we dive into Star Wars, oops, the thing oops. about Star Trek, um, it, this this is, we mentioned uh, several episodes ago that they're doing a new series, which is going to be on CBS's pay-to-watch uh, yeah. streaming channel. The, yep. I forget what it's called, but... <clears throat> Um, it's called We're Not Netflix and We Want Your Money Anyway. This series isn't actually dropping until 2017. So if we don't talk about Star Trek again for several episodes, it's not because we don't like the product or anything else. They just There's nothing going on with it right now other well, than they just did a showrunner and they'll probably start filming uh, Yeah, soon. I was just going to say, what about um, um, Star Trek Three, the the movies? Oh, yeah. That, is Star that Trek this year? Beyond. Yeah. yeah, I think that might be. That's probably this year. We got a trailer. It's got to be this year. I yeah, think. and we'll probably see it. But Yeah, I'm, I'm sure I'll see it. I don't know if... Um, yeah, I'm sure I'll probably see it. I'll probably yeah. see that in the theater sometime. Yeah, I, I actually like the first two. I didn't, I didn't shit on Into Darkness nearly as much as everybody else did. No, the problem for me with the the, the um, theatrical universe of Star Trek right now is that so far it's been really relatively derivative. Good movies on their own, and there's a lot of fan service and nice callbacks and things like that. Um, but a there uh, so far have been a little bit of rehashes of old stories, and uh, b. Um, especially into darkness, into darkness, obviously with the con thing. And they definitely did some creative or clever switches on and plays on the original, but it's obviously a little bit derivative. Um, the second part is so far, uh, the star Trek movies, 
um, sort of miss one of the great things about Star Trek, which is that it was a lot more cerebral. Um, and not like deeply complicated cerebral, but it was a lot less action focused and a lot more introspective, I think about, about, you know, the nature of humanity and so on. Well, Star Trek starting with the original series was a social commentary yeah, and exactly. the new movies aren't necessarily focusing on that. They tried to a little bit, which is why I actually didn't shut on into darkness as much. Um, they, they tried to do it with, uh, uh, fucking RoboCop and his big warship, yeah. Even though the Federation, like, and that was like, that was kind of their big, their, their try at it. They're like, but we're not a, we're not a war entity. Like we're here to explore yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Um, so they kind of tried that time. Although, um, Abrams went fucking ape shit with the lens flares in that particular one, which made it kind of hard to watch in some places. The first one had a lot of them. The second one more so. Yeah. JJ lens flare Abrams. Um, yeah. Yeah, um, that part didn't bother me so much, but you know, overall, it just felt like, yeah, it's it's a solid movie, but it's to me, it misses a little bit about what makes Trek special. And uh, second, you know, I, I'm anxious to see like one of the things that I really liked about Star Trek in the beginning, um, and Star Trek, like my fondest memories, you know, not being um, old enough to have watched the original uh, when it aired, but old enough to watch uh, TNG when it aired, where those were phenomenally new, different ideas to me. Um, and, and in the sci-fi world, a lot, some of the stuff was probably, you know, not the first time we'd ever seen that done. Um, but it's probably the first time we've seen it done on TV in a lot of cases. Um, so I'm anxious for them to get back to that, those kind of roots and do more original stuff. So actually this movie, I'm a little bit excited for because I think this is the beginning where they get their five-year mission essentially. And we get to hopefully see something completely new. Um, the only thing that it gave me a pause, and I don't know if this is still true anymore, but Orky, Robert Orky is writing yeah. the script. Don't know how I feel about that. Well, Orky's not on the project anymore. Oh, okay. I feel he left. Enough. I I mean, I'm sure they're still using like some of his script and, and whatnot or parts of it, yeah. screenplay, but yeah, he he actually I I read something several months ago that, that he wasn't doing it at this point. Because I think he was actually set to direct this one and then all of a sudden he's not. So Yeah. Um We'll see, but I mean, one of the one of the clever things that I think they've they've done in the first couple ones that maybe people don't necessarily appreciate, but I do because I'm a big fan, is Kirk always was either an admiral or a captain or getting his ship taken away from him or whatnot, and they've already done that yeah a couple of times with two movies with this Kirk too. So like number one, he probably shouldn't have ever had command of that ship in the first place, but it was kind of a field promotion thing, and then for whatever reason, he was allowed to keep it until then he fucked up again and they took it away and yeah. So I like that. Like, I, I do like that um, because the Kirk and the, this Kirk's a little bit more raw. I think like, yeah, the, the short of it is I think he's a little bit more chaotic, a little bit more of an unknown. Um, and, and I do like the spin, the spin. Well, he knew taken, his dad in the original uh, yeah. incarnation and this one he didn't. So the, he's, he's a different Kirk, but still has like the core Kirkness. Yeah. Yep. So, fun set of movies so far, but yeah, we probably won't be talking about them for a little while still. So, we will talk about that as it comes up, and then, um, again, as we get more into the production of the new series, then we'll we'll talk about that, too. Yep, for sure. Star Wars. Star Wars. So, like, I gave it away. Uh, episode 8's begun filming, which is no surprise, because if you're following Star Wars like we undoubtedly are, um, you probably know that they were going to start filming pretty soon anyway. But, yeah, it's official. They've started filming. Yeah, we have less than two years for that movie, so they better... Yep, we got a nice little production announcement from the crew that we'll put in the show notes. Um, biggest cock tease, you know, since the end of The Force Awakens. So, just deal with that when you get there. But, yeah. Yeah, and um, here's the thing. And, and I mentioned, I alluded to this when I said we got less than two years. But 
here's the thing don't don't flip out because they've actually filmed some of it already because when they were in scotland they did they they shot all of ray and and uh luke's scenes um, yeah at the at the little jedi temple thing or whatever that was that he was at so some of it's already done yeah theoretically luke has or mark hamill rather has actually delivered a line of dialogue i hope yeah. <laughs> what if that's her lesson like instead of being all shitty like yoda and he's just never right gonna on talk his back, he's just like nope you have to figure out my you know i've created a new language in my time alone based solely on eyebrow gestures you know <laughs> oh uh, god that would be yeah. funny so yeah uh, we don't have a ton of news other than the production announcement and the fact that we know that they're filming now yeah so go check that out because it's a fun it's a fun little short clip so it's in we'll put it in the show notes as always so Next up, let's talk about the Marvel Universe. Yes, let's. Yes. Uh, so we have Captain America, the Civil War, uh, Super Bowl spot. Um, nothing really No, I actually thought it was kind of lame compared to the actual full trailers that we've seen up to this point. Yeah, I think you get a little bit better of a look at some of the characters. Like, I think you get to see Panther a little bit better than you have so far, which right now he's probably the biggest question mark in the movie as far as, you know, who he is and where he comes from sort of thing. Wakanda. He's from Wakanda. Yeah, I mean, we all know what's going on here, but um, for those of you only following the cinematic universe, you've got really no idea about this character, and um, you know we're all anxious to see how he's going to be portrayed on the screen, so um, we do get to see a little bit more Panther, but yeah, like Matt said, I wasn't blown away by this, but you know, it's still, I mean, the movie, I'm, I'm super excited about this. This looks to me to be um, sort of a different Marvel film than we've seen so far, which I really, really like. Yeah, the thing of it is, is I actually watched the Super Bowl this year. And, uh, I mean, I watch it every year, but so when I saw the spot, I was like, Ooh, this is going to be something new. And it really wasn't something new. Yeah. It's just kind of a, um, let down. And then I started kind of looking into how much it costs for time during the Super Bowl. And in this case, I don't even think it was during the Super Bowl. I think this was actually during the pregame. Yeah. Um, it's fucking expensive now for 30 seconds during the Super Bowl. Oh, it's I mean, always, it's always been... been, but now like it's it's increased exponentially over the last five years. So I'm kind of not surprised at this point. See, um, but the thing is, is it, we're talking about Disney here. I don't think it was that they couldn't afford it. I think, and I, actually, this is a part that I like about this. I think that they're trying to be a little bit smart about giving too much away in the trailer. I hope so. Um, because, you know, we've already had that complaint, the, the Batman versus Superman movie, um, which we're going to come back to in a bit. But that's been one of my complaints about the trailer so far, especially the second trailer. They're giving away a little bit too much of the uh, um, plot, I think. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I, I think that's probably a good call. Um, plus, Disney's got to split their focus now. Um, I mean, they started the uh, these movies, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They actually started before the acquisition by Disney, but Disney was pretty full on behind them going into the Avengers and all that good stuff. Now that they own Star Wars, too, and the amount of marketing and money they threw into that that movie, mm. it wouldn't surprise me if they're maybe being a little bit more conservative to wait until the next one comes out or Rogue One comes out. Um, yeah, that's not possible. that they've abandoned the Marvel properties, but Avengers uh, Age of Ultron didn't perform the way they thought it would. So it's it, funny because you could say this about Star Wars, too. But my thought would be um, with uh, the whole Marvel Universe, I don't think you have to do a whole lot to sell it anymore. No, like it's kind of as far as marketing goes. Yeah, you got to do some basic stuff, but I think it's kind of on autopilot a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, one of the comments that I hear a lot of the times from people that, that are not even actually uh, comic book aficionados or whatever, they're just like, oh, wasn't that guy the bad guy in one of the Avengers movies? Yeah. And they don't mean, like, one of the two Avengers movies. They mean one of any of the uh, 14 fucking movies there's been so far, however many yep. of them. 
um that's just how they know them so yep uh so anyway captain america civil war spot uh trailer thingy is in the show notes go check that out if you haven't seen it yet um next up we've got some big news so when i first stuck this link let's do that first okay sure 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 let's talk about daredevil (laughs) uh which is entirely different than what i started with um so daredevil season two trailer did you watch it uh no okay i've seen i've seen i've seen a couple spots so far but i haven't actually seen the new trailer yet so check out the new trailer you get a big um they almost should have called it like uh daredevil colon the punisher trailer yeah because it's very very heavily focused on the punisher well and i think he's getting his own show too it, that would be kind of cool because so, I, I'm intrigued. Like this, this looks pretty cool. Or, or at minimum, he'll be involved in the defenders at some point somehow. Yeah, I think I think that's probably pretty definite. So, um, I I'm really excited about Daredevil season two. So here's the thing: um, our first show focused very heavily on uh, Daredevil because it had just dropped like the day before we did our show. I think. Yeah. Um, and then since then we've gotten Jessica Jones, which I'm still actually not done with. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not because I don't like it. That's just because there's so much other shit that I've yeah. been doing lately. This one though, I'm not going to, I'm not going to let get to that point. Daredevil season two. I'm, I'm going to be a little bit more faithful too, just because of how fucking kick ass the end of season one was. Yeah. Uh, when I finally got around to watching it, now I feel stupid for not having done it so far. Uh huh. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. I'm, uh, what's his name? I can't remember. Vincent D'Onofrio. No, no. Um, uh, Punisher. Charlie Punisher. Oh, oh, uh, Bernthal. Yeah, yeah, Bernthal. He wasn't quite what I pictured Frank Castle as when I first no, heard that he had been cast, and then I, I've seen some things now that um, make me a really big fan. And honestly, if you watch The Walking Dead at all, the first couple seasons, um, Shane, the character of Shane, there's some definite Frank Castle tendencies in Shane as well. Um, although Shane was a dick and didn't do what he did for the right reasons. Whereas Frank Castle's a dick and does things because it's the right thing to do. Well, sort Maybe. of, <laughs> I, I think that, uh, intentions, well, no, I don't, I don't even know if that's true. Um, maybe a little bit intentions are generally good with Frank Castle. It's the execution that you're probably going to have questions about, you know, like actually executing. Yeah. The actual <laughs> executions that you might have questions about. Um, yeah. so anyway, the daredevil true two trailer is out and it's really good. Um, yeah, I'm really excited for this. Uh, this is actually one of the things that I think that I, I don't like about this whole model as much as I love it. Don't get me wrong. When the show drops in its entirety, uh, it, for me, it's kind of like a flash in the pan because Daredevil, I think I was done. Like the, it came out on Friday and I was through it by the weekend. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, by the end of the weekend, Jessica Jones was maybe slightly longer, but I, I had definitely finished that show inside of a week. Um, so it, it's uh, one of the downsides to this is that they don't get as much staying power, I think, because, um, you know, like every week we talk about Arrow and the Flash. Um because, you know, they're on TV for four or five months, you know, straight, uh, essentially. These ones, you know, they just kind of come out and they drop and they're gone. So, yeah, I, I watched at least out of your mind, mind I, for a bit. I watched the first season of Orange is the New Black with my wife because she really likes it. And uh, yeah, we watched that, too. It's pretty good. And then she ended up watching all of season two without me. And because it's, it is exactly the same model, it's it dropped all there. And then she watched it all. I really didn't have any desire to go back and watch it. I think I watched a couple episodes, but because we weren't watching it together and whatnot, I didn't. I didn't actually yeah. end up finishing it. So, I think that I think the model does hurt the longevity, like you're, like you're saying. But well, somewhat. Um, 
you know, I, I don't know. It, it, one of the things that, I mean, obviously their goal here is to bring in subscribers and, and having, you know, these big exclusive properties helps bring in subscribers. The thing is, is that I'm not sure how much, uh, yeah, but get, you could subscribe for a month. Yeah, and exactly. then watch all of the show that you want to, and then drop off again. It's yeah. like the WWE Network. A lot of people watch it around WrestleMania time, and then you see a lot of a lot of subs drop in the month following. See, with Netflix, I think that that's probably part of their game plan. Like, I think that they probably have definitely studied and say, like, if we can just hook people in at the price we're charging, they'll be, you know, it's 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 not worth it to drop. What one of the things I don't like that Netflix is doing is their. Um, they're picking up properties that existed and then continuing it. And then they're, they're branding it a Netflix original series like uh, arrested development yeah. is branded as a Netflix original and it's not by any yeah, means. I mean, that season is, uh, um, but yeah. even then, I don't know that's being a little bit generous since the, all the characters and backstories and stuff like that were created before Netflix ever came near it. But I mean, yeah, I mean, you can kind of make that argument for daredevil too, as much as they've done some, you know, different things. Well, Yes and no. Or uh, any any that's, adaptation that's, property. I mean, obviously, the comic book property doesn't belong to Netflix. But, I mean, this series was developed specifically for Netflix. I mean, they, Netflix bought and paid for it. It's yeah. not like it was a show already. It's kind of like when um, um, Stargate SG-1, it was on Sci-Fi for the first... Or not Sci-Fi, um, Showtime for the first couple seasons, at least. I don't yep. remember where they dropped off. Four or five, I think. Uh, I believe it started on Sci-Fi in season five. And then, and then sci-fi, it, it all of a sudden was a sci-fi original series, even though in no shape or form <laughs> was it a sci-fi original series. So, yep. um, I don't know. It's just, it's being dishonest with your properties and I don't really dig it. Like, yeah, give, no, give credit where it's due. I mean, Showtime made Stargate SG-1 and it made, it made a really good show. Um, I forget what, what, uh, what network, uh, Arrested Development was on. I think it was Fox. Was it a, was it a Fox show? Yeah. yeah so which Fox. is actually really surprising because Fox outside of that and married with children, I'd be hard pressed to name. Oh, and I guess the Simpsons and their animated properties, but I guess it, yeah. it, I'd be hard pressed to name a, a good comedy that's come from Fox comedy. Yes. There's yeah. been several good series, but I mean, you know, Firefly. Yeah. Which, but this is, I guess, exactly a good example of, you know, here's a brilliant series that Fox didn't know what to do with, so they killed it. Yeah, if we'd had Netflix back then, they'd have picked that up. I really wish, I really wish they were, we were where they are, you know, now, because, yeah, we'd be on season, like, 16 of Firefly by now. would still be alive, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, yeah. Then Joss Whedon wouldn't do the Avengers, so who knows? So, all right, that's that's Daredevil news. Um, Not much news, but a trailer, and it's good, so go check it out. Okay, so this is going to be an interesting topic because we both haven't seen it yet, but we're both dying to. My 70-year-old mom is watching it right now. Yeah. I don't know if that makes me lose nerd cred or what, but... Uh, did I... I didn't link it here. I think I linked it on the whatever Twitter. So, uh, oh, by the way, if you're not following us, following us on Twitter, I do occasionally link interesting things that don't quite make it in the show. Um, so, at whatever uh, show on Twitter. But anyway... Um, I, what I was mentioning is I, I linked uh, Betty Betty White did an endorsement of yeah, Deadpool. I did see that. Funny as shit. Um, so that, that's that that's the first thing that reminded me of is you know your seventy year old mom gets to go see Deadpool before we do. Yeah. So anyway, um, at the time of this writing, which I believe was last Tuesday, so two days before the the movie actually came out to the masses, Deadpool had a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's eighty four percent right now. Yeah, I mean, obviously a, a shitty movie. Um, <laughs> eighty four, <laughs> dude. Um, it's, it's it's really funny because I actually read a, the lion's share of the critics' reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, which I, we linked. 
I didn't because I wanted, other than just knowing, is it good or is it bad? I wanted to stay fairly well unspoiled because I'm pretty excited. about. Actually, there's really not any spoilers in the reviews. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because there's a lot of things that you can tell, like a lot of people that went, that went to it with an open mind. And then there's other people that went to it because it was their job and they probably had to, and they wrote nothing but really snide shit about it. Yeah. Without realizing that that was kind of the point. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, like, I don't know why he's so needlessly crass all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Just retarded shit like that. So, uh, yeah. 84% right now. Um, and it's, it is fucking shattering records right now. Yeah. Not like, you know, it's not going to get the domestic box office record for opening weekend. Um, however, it did kick the living shit out of every other February opening in the history of movies, including that's right, ladies, including 50 shades of gray. That's right. Uh, Deadpool is more popular than a fucking rapist. Okay. Or abuser, whatever. Yeah. Um, I I don't know enough about those books to comment on them. I don't either. I know that they started out as twilight fan fiction. I, I read a lot of shit about it on the internet and I just kind of run with it. Yeah. So, um, there's a lot of stuff in there like it's big because it, it's a huge movie for february but it's also huge for an r rating um so this is i think the best best um r-rated movie uh that ever essentially yeah um the previous record was the matrix revolutions probably and and then for an r opening and, and this beat it by a handy amount yeah um, so I, I want to say that I read somewhere the budget for this was like 50 million and they did 60 or they did 45 on Thursday and they did another 60 on Friday. So, um, just completely destroying records here. Um, reloaded the matrix reloaded. So this is important for a lot of reasons. Uh, w- one of the big ones is that, uh, you, uh, have probably been a little frustrated because we've seen a, a lot of shying away from our ratings lately. Um, especially for movies like this, where it, uh, you know, Total Recall, the Total Recall ma- remake got a PG-13, even though uh, it really shouldn't have. Like, it would have been probably a lot better of a movie if they would have stuck closer to the original and gave it an R. There's a, there's been a lot of stuff like that. Uh, RoboCop got a PG-13 too, I think. Yeah. Although I didn't hate RoboCop. I didn't hate it, but it's also not like a, like it's a fun watch, but it wasn't like, oh gosh, I got to see the next one. Yeah. Well. If I mean, there is a next one. If you point. look at the original RoboCop, was that ever like that too? Like, did you watch the first RoboCop and you're like, man, I really hope they make a sequel. Um, I don't know. When I watched the first RoboCop, I was probably like nine. So, yeah, I, did, I didn't care that much. I, was I mean, it like, was it was it was a cool movie. Like, I wanted to see it because everybody else had, but not because. Yeah. Um. So this is a big deal because um already Hollywood's sort of questioning this whole ban on our ratings because clearly there's an audience for them. If you just make a good movie. Um, so I think Deadpool was helped along by its uh, just flat out phenomenal marketing campaign. Um, this is probably one of the best examples of marketing that I've seen for a movie uh, because it was really clever. Like Star Wars took the opposite approach. Star Wars just fucking branded everything and you couldn't go five feet without running into a lightsaber or some sort of you BB-8. Buy a bag of oranges without there being a Star Wars logo on it. Right. Right. Like if you needed your like uh, Star Wars adult diapers or something like that, you could find them. Yeah. Um, but uh, just like the ones Obi-Wan wore. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this movie, I think it has a lot of clever marketing behind it. Like um, the Betty, the Betty White thing. Uh, you know, I shared that 
it's essentially a commercial, but it's so good. You watch it anyway. Um, it's so good. You, you know, like it's something that, that I like, I willingly spread on social media. Uh, uh, so that should, I think, give you kind of an idea of one of the reasons that Deadpool's doing so well. Um, but the other thing that I get from this movie is, um, I think a big part of the reason it's doing so well is because they really actually stayed true to the character. Um, and really had a bunch of people who loved the movie making it. So uh, I think that's been a big part of the success of Deadpool as well. But I don't really fucking know because we haven't seen it yet because uh, Matt's taking his wife tomorrow and my wife, you know, again, exploded or something. And so we have to wait until she's reasonably better, can sit in a chair for two and a half hours or whatever. Yeah. Um. So and, and here's an interesting article. We'll throw this in the notes as well. The original test footage that leaked that actually was the big driving force behind Fox greenlighting this movie. Yeah. Um, Ryan Reynolds has actually talked a couple of times on some late night talk shows now about the people that could have leaked the footage. One was him. Yeah. One was Tim Miller who actually directed that footage. And the only other people that would have had access to it would have been, um, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick who, uh, wrote the screenplay and, and I think produced it. Um, and the going theory right now is that it was probably Tim Miller. Yeah. Um, the only the only people that have come out against it are a couple people that work for his studio that say that Tim's the kind of guy that if it was him, he would have fessed up to it by this point. But the way Ryan Reynolds described it is all four of them at separate times had talked with one another about possibly leaking it intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, is that Fox actually still owns that test footage. So it could have backfired badly. Oh yeah, <laughs> that that that's actually kind of phenomenal because that's what I was just gonna say. Like, uh, um, we're they're probably all very lucky that it turned out the way that it did because if it had gone really far down uh, or something like that, or everybody was like, "Oh, this is bullshit," and Fox is a bunch of retards. You're like, say if they they leaked the um, Wolverine Fan- Origins Deadpool or the Fantastic Four footage, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that that would have been like uh, probably killed any chance of ever getting this this property made, and they would have been all sued into oblivion and stuff like that. My hope at this point is that Fox just gives Fantastic Four back, like they just stop any production, let the rights revert back to Marvel Studios, and then focus on Deadpool. As far as I know, they're already planning a sequel, though it's not been officially greenlit. They'd be dumb not to at this point. I uh, again read a headline somewhere along those lines, like there there's a Deadpool sequel in the works already. Which yeah. with the the numbers that it's doing, that like that's a foregone conclusion. It doesn't matter if they literally killed Deadpool and sent him into the sun at the end of this movie. Um, he he would be coming back for a sequel with the way the numbers are performing right now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So uh, Deadpool, um, if you haven't gone and seen it, which is probably not that likely because most nerds have at this point, except for us, because we're the only ones that haven't. The guys with the nerd show uh, apparently don't get to go see the nerd movies. But um, if you haven't gone and seen it, go see it uh, because so far it looks like it's going to be really awesome. It's okay. We don't get to go to Comic-Con either. Our press pass request was denied. Yeah. We've got tens of listeners. So whoever made that decision clearly made a mistake. Clearly. (laughs) Although I did get us put on a wait list in case there's cancellations. Brilliant. Um, So should we talk about DC now? (laughs) Yeah, I just thought I just thought our our tens of listeners would want a good. If you started, yeah, start an email campaign right now, and uh, like all of you, I'm assuming there's going to be some attrition. So, uh, of the tens of listeners, you know, we might get four or five emails sent out. I'll I'll get you the the email address of the chick that denied our application. Yeah, probably like open the link and was like, (laughs) 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 click. Um, 
All right, so let's talk about DC stuff. Um, so let's talk DC, uh, uh, d- the the CW verse first. So yeah. um, we're gonna yeah. talk about. Uh, do you want to talk about Flash or Arrow? Yeah, first? we gotta kind of talk about the Flash. It's yeah. Okay, so uh, I'm just gonna tell you right now, I really like this episode, dude. We went to Earth two. How could you not like this episode? I went. We went to Earth two, and it was totally rad. Went um, to Earth two, and Cisco was a dick. It was hilarious. But uh, Ramon. Cisco Ramon, uh, he got to learn that vibe, vibe, like he's been using his powers like to all like, wrong. He's been using them completely wrong. Yeah, and then he got there and he's like, "What? I can do that shit?" And then you know he still hasn't actually figured out how to do that shit. But I think he's kind of opened his mind as far as what vibe was capable of, which is super cool. Yeah. Um. Also, we got to see Caitlin Snow um as full on Killer Frost, which is amazing because Caitlin is such a sweetheart. Yeah. And then you see her alter ego, who's such a fucking bitch. But extremely hot. Yeah. Um, fear boner. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I uh, watching that was kind of interesting because I've been saying from the beginning, like, I don't know how they're going to make Caitlyn Killer Frost because we know that from the comics that Caitlyn is, of course, Killer Frost. And that she, Killer Frost is usually a foil for um, um, Firestorm. Yeah. Uh, so we know that's going to happen or we knew that was going to happen. But they keep consistently, like, she's already dealt with lots of tragedies. She's had lots of reasons to go all nuts and be Killer Frost. And hasn't. And hasn't. Instead, she's just, like, the, the like, she volunteers for, you know, some organization saving puppies on the weekend instead. Like, right. she's just so good. I couldn't see how they were going to make it happen. So Like the Robbie Amell Retarded Puppy Foundation or something. Right. So, <laughs> um... I've been having a hard time figuring out how they were going to pull that off. And so as, as it turns out, the answer is Earth 2. And that's also the next big question, which is, what are they doing with Robbie Amell? And the answer is, they're going to show his doppelganger on Earth 2. Dude, I love Earth 2 for exactly what it is. And it is a reason to do absolutely anything you want to do with these characters without actually having to explain it. Yeah, or necessarily it's, have... It's both incredibly easy and brilliant at the same time. Yeah, or have, you know, necessarily massive consequences. So, um, we've got a couple of pretty big spoilers coming up, I'm sure, in this episode. So, if you haven't watched this season, or this episode yet, you probably should, um, you know, tune out for the next 10 Earmuffs. or 15 minutes. Um, how about uh, them killing Joe? Like, I felt like that was very much like... one. I think it was um, Harrison or somebody that actually was basically said it, which is like, that's not your Joe. It doesn't matter. Stop Dude, caring. I couldn't believe how cold he was about that, considering that actually is his Earth. He's like, but no, that's that that's not your people, so just get the fuck out of there and let's do what we're supposed to do. Yeah, I can only sense that the reasoning behind that was because he's like, I don't know who this fucking guy is. I've never met Joe the singer guy. Mm-hmm. Plus, I still want to save my kids, so I don't really give a shit yeah. about him. Yeah. Yeah. So he he's just, you know, another random blip, and that's the that's the sense I get from this Harrison is that he's just cold blooded. I don't not- get the sense that he's cold blooded necessarily. It it this is and this is a philosophy that I've long held for a long time. Um, and, and actually, I never knew how to put it into words until I started watching The Walking Dead. And that is um, Rick. Okay. Rick. Rick's big philosophy is, is if you ever make me choose between my kid and your kid, I'll pick my kid every time. Yeah, that's true. And that's kind of where where Harrison is when it comes to saving his daughter. It's why he was willing to, uh, or, or not quite willing to, sabotage Barry to get his daughter back and whatnot. Yeah. See, it's sort of interesting because we've seen, um, I I think Harrison falls, you know, I guess kind of where I would fall probably or where most people would fall, which is if it's between my kid and your kid, you better kiss your kid goodbye. If it's between my kid and your 20 kids, 
now is now now to me that becomes a conundrum you know like the and we've seen that a little bit already where he confessed to stealing barry's speed a little bit so which that was one of the things that i was really really happy about yeah um i i thought i thought uh it would be nice to not go the harrison's an evil dick route since we did that on uh the first season well and here's here's the thing if you've ever watched sons of anarchy or if you've ever watched uh breaking bad or any show like that the root of everything bad that happens in this show and those shows is nobody's honest with each other. There's always something that happens that one person doesn't want to tell the other person something because of X, Y, or Z reason. Yeah. But if they just had a lot of tragedies or crises would have been averted, which granted doesn't make for great TV drama, but it's one of those things that as an audience, and we've seen it so much in TV lately that for Wells to be like, uh, I, I, I took, your speed yeah I, sorry my bad it was an accident it was it was it was kind of relieving to kind of see that happen and then there was still conflict but at the same time at the end of the day it gave barry um an easier time getting comfortable with the decision of you know what no he i'm gonna let him out and we're just gonna go help him do what he needs to do because see, I, I guess we should highlight that a little bit more because the flash has been phenomenal at doing that um yeah. there's been a couple things that they've drawn out a little longer than i would have liked but um like his animosity toward Jay Garrick those first couple episodes. Yeah, but generally speaking, like the Flash has gotten that shit out of the way pretty quickly. Like yeah. uh um you know the the thing that they held on the longest to was revealing uh that he was the Flash to Iris, but pretty much everybody else like Joe figured it out in like the third or fourth episode or something like that. Yeah. And, and that wasn't really hidden and you know. So uh I like how they generally handle that type of stuff. It, there's enough there to create some tension, but they don't drive it into the ground to the point where you're just like Oh fucking tell him already! Like if you don't tell him, I'm gonna come down there and I'm gonna strangle whoever wrote this shit. You know, like. Well, have you ever watched Smallville? Of course, yeah. Um, I'm not done with it, but I've watched. Most it's of one it at of this those point. situations where there was so much back and forth between Clark and Lana, and whether or not he wanted oh. to tell her or anything like that. Like, and season she can only be concussed six, maybe? so many times. Yeah. I She's, mean, literally, they they wrote her knowing off several times by her getting hit in the head, or she got hit in the head before she was able to find out. You know, something like that happened yep. all the fucking time. And knowing what we know now about concussions, she's probably going to go ape shit and kill her entire family someday. Yeah, I mean, just <laughs> it, it's reasonably likely. Chris Benoit did it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. Th- just solid That's episode not funny, of Flash. by the way. <laughs> it was just a terrible joke, but, I mean, concussions are bad. Yeah, I laughed, and I feel kind of bad now. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> um, we're sorry to the Benoit family. Dude, that's what what's terrible right now. Members of and them. this is completely off-the-mark subject, but, I mean, when Eddie came over tonight, I was actually watching um, Monday Nitro from, like, March of 1998, and Chris Benoit was a big deal on that back then. I really like watching his his wrestling matches. Like as yeah. as a wrestling fan, like his matches were always really good. And knowing, like watching it, watching him wrestle, and then knowing where his life is going to end, yeah, is kind of weird. Tragic, yeah. yeah. Um. Anyway, on to less depressing things. Yeah. So the Flash. Um. So finishing up the episode, we get some more Zoom, and Zoom apparently has his own, uh, um, uh, Guantanamo sort of thing set up down there. Like they do on Earth. Actually, that's an interesting parallel that I just put together right fucking now. On Earth 1, uh, the Flash has their little Guantanamo where they store the bad guys that they want to hang on to. That, that literally have no rights. Yeah, and on Earth 2, uh, instead we got the bad guy that has almost the exact same fucking setup. It's just lower tech. Yeah. Yeah. 
Which is amazing because Earth 2 tech is way more advanced than Earth 1 tech is. Yep. But, you know, yeah, they all dress like it's 1952, so whatever. Yeah, stylish motherfuckers over on that. Except for the black people are allowed to associate with the whites. Yeah. Yeah, it's just fashion, I think, mostly. <laughs> They're like, we got to make this look different enough. Oh, a fashion and some of the interesting technology choices. Like, I think they've got cell phones and shit like that on Earth, too. But yeah. you, you saw Barry's phone. Oh, another thing I should mention. There is a lot. This this episode is just jam-packed with Easter eggs for the fans. So when you see Barry's phone, for example, pay real close attention to who he's got on his contact list. I'm actually going to watch it sober. Yeah. It's just so I can see some of them. Yeah. Um, dude, you can just go on YouTube and then somebody will put that together. So here's the thing. I'm going to preface this by saying that I wasn't actually inebriated when I watched it. Um, my my company that I work for, actually, we put in a brand new phone system. We switched over. We had a really old, old Toshiba digital phone system. It was just like six cans and a string. Like our assisted living facility just had its 20th anniversary and our phone system predated it by five years. <laughs> <laughs> it, was just, it was here when we got here. Yeah, so yeah. we got a new server-based um, Avaya IP office system put in, and it—I mean—and it, it's really super easy to manage. But actually doing the install work, which I will confess I didn't do a ton of because I don't do the, a lot of the cross connections and the wiring and all that kind of stuff. That was our maintenance crew and some of the engineers that installed the system. But I didn't really spend a lot of time at home this last week. So yeah. when I watched it, finally, I was super tired and didn't actually catch a good portion of what it was. But I do know what Eddie's talking about with the phone contacts. And we're probably going to spoil it here anyway because of one of the other topics that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I was just going to say, here's another Easter egg that was in the trailer. Um, as they're traveling between Earths, you get to see... Um, one of the things we saw in the last season, actually, was Barry getting glimpses of the future. And as it turns out, alternate realities. And we see a little bit more of this as they travel between Earths from Earth 1 to Earth too and we get a glimpse glimpse of supergirl and by that of course we mean the cbs uh supergirl melissa ben benoist 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 whatever think, i mean i don't know how to say it but yeah um maybe I should she's watch cute it. yeah but anyway we get we get a, a glimpse of that supergirl and as it turns out that is not just a little nod to another tv property the flash will be officially visiting national city and uh, to me, it looks like that was kind of the setup for how that's going to happen, because I, I don't think they're going to go hard uh, core in like they are with the arrow and the flash. And, the you know, we're going to have a couple of episodes every season that cross over. But I thought that this was, you know, they're going to visit Supergirl's universe, which is, you know, some like Earth three or something like that. So we're, we're going to get a little deep. We're going to go a little meta on this for a minute. Um, how odd. When, <laughs> when the uh, when the Supergirl series first actually started. Uh, a lot of the actors involved with Arrow and the Flash and stuff were very upfront about wanting to be involved somehow and do crossovers and whatnot. And the president of CBS basically said, nope, the series is going to stand on its own. We're going to do, I mean, you guys share a producer and that's it. Yep. Um, turns out Which is Supergirl's a actually gaining the same ratings as the Flash. Which for CBS isn't a good thing because CBS is a huge network and for all intents and purposes, it's primetime show should be higher yeah, um, in the ratings than that. So um, the, the Flash was like, in fairness, the Flash was setting records when it launched for, for a, um, you know, non major, I guess it's for CBS, NBC, four. Fox. Yeah. ABC. ABC. Um, Slash Walt Disney. <laughs> 
Yeah, but Supergirl, Supergirl is not performing as well as you would think. Uh, um, like if you just took that, it, like just imagine if the Flash had the budget that the CDA, or that the CBS can put towards this and put it in a primetime slot on one of the major networks, it sh- theoretically would do even more. Um, and Supergirl's not so. Yeah, that's um, a problem. So now we're gonna get to see a crossover between the Flash and um, Supergirl. However, I don't know what Flash it's gonna be. We could be looking at an Earth Two Flash. Or we could be looking at Earth One Flash, and maybe Supergirl is in Earth Two. We don't know where National City's at. No, I, I'm almost going to guarantee this is com- going to be completely separate from the CW verse thus far. So, other uh, like this Earth is three. Yeah, this is going to be a multiverse thing. Like, I, I think that the National City that we're going to go see is clearly another Earth entirely, and they're going to explain that somehow. You know, the Flash basically falling into another, you know, singularity type of thing, and whatever. Uh, but yeah. Uh, this to me reeks a little bit of desperation not quite desperation but i think it you know when they took such a stupid hard stance on it at the beginning and now they're basically eating their words it, it to me feels a little bit like we're getting a concession you know like they're gonna let the flash come over to hopefully bring some of that flash juice well i mean come on man it you've got the same producer he knows what he's doing obviously it's proven arrows a success for different reasons than the flash is a success why not capitalize on that with your show? It's only going to help your product. I mean, here's a... Th- and I'm going to go off on a little bit of a rant. It's not going to be a long one. But if you're a major network, cooperate. All you have to do is cooperate. It's not going to hurt you to let another show help you out that's already doing well on its network. And it's not going to... Like, the CW is not poised to take over everything when it comes to TV. In fact, ratings-based weekly television shows are probably done in the next 10 to 15 years anyway. It'd be shocking if they weren't. So just embrace the fact that you're putting out a product that people actually want to watch and then let the other guys do what they can to help you because it's only going to help you both in the end. Oh, yeah. Um, you see this even in the CW-verse because there's a lot of people... Like, this seems weird to me because I started, of course, with Arrow and then I picked up the Flash in, in its natural progression, essentially. Um, so I was surprised to learn that there are a lot of people that don't watch one or the other. My like, wife doesn't like Arrow. Yeah, um, but I but I also see a lot of comments along the lines of, um, gosh, should I check out Arrow? Because I really, really like the Flash um, and I want to, you know, understand what's going on better. Um, which, of course, the answer is probably yes. I don't, I don't think Arrow is as strong as a show uh, as the Flash is anymore. But I mean, if you're already a comic book fan. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah, you don't really no have anything doubt. to do uh, to lose. But like Casey, she's a comic book fan, too, but she doesn't like the Arrow um, show because it's got a very somber tone to it all the time. And Oliver's always angry with himself for one reason or another. But conversely, anytime there's a crossover episode, she loves the characters from arrow when they're on the flash because they're allowed to be a little bit different. They're allowed to be something else other than what they are. Yeah. Um, in when they're in, in star they city must become something, uh, someone else. Yeah. Something Especially else. the dynamic between Felicity and Barry, like that is well one written. of the better dynamics that's i mean that tv has seen really i mean when you put those two in the same room yeah there's a lot of things like that 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 really shine in in the crossover episodes but um in this particular case like i think what happened a little bit was that i think there's a little bit of ego involved like i i, I felt like when the cbs came out and pretty much immediately shut down the idea of doing a crossover i, I felt that was like them being all like we're not gonna go slumming with these losers you know like yeah 
Um, well, as it turns out, those lizards are doing, you know, probably, you know, adjusted for inflation better than you. So yeah, it, now all of a sudden that they're going back and saying, oh yeah, yeah you know, let's crossover. You guys want to do a crossover? Um, yeah, I agree. It feels a little, you know, lame. Uh, but still, I'm excited for this. I think that's going to be good. I think, I hope that they bring um, some of the better writing over from The Flash as well. I hope that crosses over. Uh, uh, because to me, Supergirl is something that should have a name, enough name recognition that it does have a lot of built-in fan base just based on that. But I think a lot of people probably watch a few episodes and are just killed by how shitty the writing gets sometimes. What I think is amazing is is Grant Gustin's excitement about doing it. And for oh, all God, intents he's and purposes, so fun to follow on Twitter. Yeah, I follow him on Instagram actually. In Instagram and Twitter, and um, actually the whole I follow just about the whole cast of the Flash now. They all mm-hmm. seem like the best people ever. Like like that that has got to be a fun set to work on because everybody there just seems like they're just the funnest people ever yeah um it, it it's cool to see him excited about it because for all intents and purposes he has his own show a pretty busy schedule he already does extra work when he does crossover episodes um for arrow and stuff and then for him to actually go do a crossover for a different network on top of his already busy schedule and him still be excited about it like he's a genuine fan of the product so i i think that can only be good yeah um, have you watched, are you caught up on Supergirl as of this week? Uh, I haven't seen tonight's episode, obviously, but right. outside of that, yeah. Um, last two episodes have been really solid, comparatively speaking, with the rest of the season. I've actually felt like walked away from both those episodes with a really good feeling about it. Yeah, me more or less, too. Like, if you followed my Twitter on this, um, you, you'd notice probably that I was a little, I guess, disappointed I get that they're using kind of a... Um, it was a black mercy episode if you'd read the comic books and first off if you haven't read the comic books then you don't know what the fuck i'm talking about anyway but it was a black mercy episode and i thought that was a little bit kind of lame because that's sort of that that was uh, um you know i'd seen that with superman first and there's a really good justice league unlimited episode that you can go watch that also features black mercy i think it's episode two of justice league unlimited um that's actually um a parallel to the comic book that you just made reference to i think they actually bear the same title and whatnot yep um likewise the supergirl episode also bears the same title <laughs> yeah but but yeah it it is getting better it is getting better i'm still waiting for that moment like the shield moment where it gets good like really like i got to i got to see this show as it is i'm kind of watching it um i watch it in between other things yeah it's not like a thing that like i feel like i have to watch it's just that there's not really anything else on on monday so i put it on while i'm doing something yeah my kid really likes it yeah i can see that and so we watch it together and that's that's why I'm caught up on it is because the other day we didn't have anything else to do and I was like, Hey, let's watch Supergirl and she was like, Yay yeah. So we did that. Um the dialogue though in the last couple episodes is getting remarkably better. Um I I liked the exchange between um uh the IT kid I forget his name. Win. Yeah, Win and uh and James Olsen. When he was just like, so you could have her and you don't, and I don't get it. Like, yeah, how can you not? Like, that was a really good exchange between those two, and it was one of the first honest exchanges that I've actually seen on that show, aside from any time Cat Grant's in the room because that bitch is nothing but honest. Yeah. Um, and well, again, sort of. Yeah, but even then, they've given dimension to Cat Grant, which I like. Yeah, again, and I've said this before, like she was the character that I was the least excited about going into the show. Oh God, I was pretty positive that I was going to absolutely hate her and, after the first episode. And now it's like if that show didn't have her, I probably wouldn't watch it. Mm, I don't know that I'd go that far. Um, like I, I feel like she's a she's a season one potentially replaceable, but I do I, I wouldn't. 
like I wouldn't mourn her loss so much as I would just be like, oh, all right. See, not to me. Like she's she's got the most depth out of any of the characters so far on that show. Yeah. Although here's here's a fun fact: huh? the sister, what's her name? Um, I don't know. Uh, um, Agent Danvers. We'll yeah. call her that. Danvers. Um, I just realized the other day where I knew her from, and it's because I was uh, checking out IMDb trying to figure out why I knew her. There was an ep- there was a TV series that was on for like one season on Fox following the success of that 70s show that 80s show that 80s show she was the chick with the mohawk <laughs> on that 80s show i i have not seen a single episode i actually dug it it was funny it, i mean obviously it wasn't that 70s show and it was never gonna be but i mean no. it was it was a one season wonder so to speak and i don't even think anybody wondered about it because otherwise it would have been renewed <laughs> um so yeah supergirl I, it is getting good enough to where like like I, the first few episodes like i was hate watching that show like, yeah. Oh, yeah like i was watching that show because like i wanted it to be something better and it is slowly getting better and it's now like on a like like on a tall like i'm not just watching it because it's a nerdy thing on tv it is actually getting pretty well or pretty good if if that or show passable if that show had continued on the trend that it can that it that it took off on for the first few episodes eddie and i would actually be doing a uh mystery science theater 3000 parody yeah on the show every week instead of doing this we'd actually be just watching that show and making fun of it the entire time totally um so the last thing we're going to talk about on the flash and then i think we're going to take a beer break is uh there there and i don't think we really need to talk about this i just wanted to mention it because it's kind of a cool thing we watch there's there's a um really cool uh fan theory on zoom who zoom is specifically uh we just watched this before this episode and i really like this theory so uh you should go check that out it's from a guy named professor thorgy on youtube um we'll have a link in the show notes of course um but you should go watch it because i i think i totally agree with him do we want to talk about it at all uh yeah we can talk about it a we, i mean bit. we spoil things anyway i mean the, the, sh- part, the short so of it is the short of it is he thinks it's either barry or more likely earth Eddie to th- barry yeah or more likely Eddie Thon and not and, Earth Two Eddie Thon. Yeah, and so that's a big deal, and he's got a lot of good reasons to back that up because I originally thought that that, that would be kind of a um, stupid way to go, and there are some other characters that I thought were more likely, and he gives a lot of compelling reasons for why that doesn't make any sense at all. So I, I just just to get a little bit in depth and not too far into it because uh, we do need a, a beer break, but <laughs> <laughs> one of the, one of the things is is that Thorgy looks at in. This is not a, an angle that I looked at it from. Was just the budgetary angle of actually having Eddie Thon's body sucked into the vortex. Yeah, I never would have looked at it from that perspective. But now that he mentions it, yeah, there's no reason to do that unless it's to serve a purpose somehow. Yeah. Um. If you're a comic reader, then you know who the Black Flash is. But he, his theory is essentially, um, or it, the theory that he really he presents a couple of theories as far as possibilities. But he really kind of uh, is leaning on the Black Flash theory. And that to me, now now that it's kind of shoved in my face in this manner, makes a lot of sense. Like, it really fits pretty well with the Zoom we're seeing on TV so far. Yeah. And the Black Flash, uh, for all intents and purposes, anybody who hasn't read comics or anything, um, is essentially the Grim Reaper for speedsters. Like, any speedster that's getting ready to bite the big one sees the Black Flash yeah. immediately before doing so. So, um, and actually, current Justice League books... Um, right now that uh, Jeff Johns is writing, Barry actually is the Black Flash. Yeah? Yeah, because he killed him. Oh. Again? Barry killed the Black Flash. Oh, okay. Um, it's because they're doing the the New Gods 
thing, and so every member of the Justice League is essentially a god at this point, and it buries death right now, and Rad. he's trying to fight it. I'm going to have to go check that out. It. So here's the thing I don't like about the current DC lineup right now, is that the Justice League book is in no way, shape, or form along the same timeline as anything else that's happening right now. It doesn't. It's not relevant to the current Batman. It's not relevant to the current Green Lantern. It's not relevant to the current Flash product. Well... Um, it's just kind of its own thing. And I don't know if that's because I think it's supposed to be, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's supposed to be previous to what's happening in the individual books um, as, as a league, because I think when the new 52 first started, it was supposed to be like, um, they were only five years into it. Yeah. So like it, five years since the inception of superheroes and all that good stuff. Yeah, um, I did get the sense because, um, well, first off, I haven't read a whole lot of New 52. Um, I've read, I don't know, the first 20 issues of the Justice League book. I've read the first, uh, well, actually, I'm caught up on Batman. I will say I'm caught up on Batman, uh, the main title. I haven't read Have you read this week's book? I haven't. Oh, God. Oh, it's good. Oh, fuck. It's really good. That's what I'm doing, I guess, when I get so I have, I'm not that caught up, but I've, I've read some of Green Lantern and I've read, I've read some of The Flash and I did get a little bit of continuity tie in as far as timeline goes with that, um, but not enough that that um, I thought they were really all that directly correlated. So it, it it's a little surprising to see that they've gone completely the other direction with it, but I guess it's not like mind blowing to me that that's the case. All right. So anyway, go check out the fan theory. We are going to pause for a beer break and we'll see it in well probably about five seconds of your time so what'd you think of air this week i really liked it um fuck <laughs> <laughs> sorry we've just been joined by um luna the podcasting dog yeah um and i had to take her collar off otherwise she'd be sitting here jangling through the room the entire time yeah as it is she'll probably uh curl up underneath the table and then start chewing her toenails off yeah, that'll be fun. Yeah. That's not me, guys. I, I, I'm sure everybody's like, oh, why is that he always chewing his toenails? Can, can you just get him to stop? I mean, Jesus Christ. Uh, but no, it's not me. Uh, no, um, I dig it a lot. And um, Malcolm, who has actually served kind of a, um anti-hero role over the last portion of this season. Yeah. Um, not anymore. No. Like he's back to, back to his true form of being a fucking dick. Yep. Which I like. I like yeah, because I do. I thought it was a little, uh, given all the shit that he pulled in season one um, and leading into season two, uh, I, I kind of didn't like that they're just, you know, like, oh, we're going to be buddy buddy with Merlin now. Here's the thing if you guys aren't familiar with him as an actor, um, who is uh, John Barman, yeah. He is really good. If you've only seen him from Arrow, then obviously you know that he can play kind of a dickish bad guy and stuff. But if you've ever watched him in Doctor Who or Torchwood, where he's Captain Jack Harkness, yep, Captain Jack is a really, really fucking phenomenal protagonist. Yeah, he's a lot so, of fun. Um, watching both of those shows kind of gives you an idea of of the level of actor that he truly is, which is a good one. He's he's a super super good actor. So um, anyway, not to jerk him off too much, but that's I mean just the fact that. To me, as somebody who's seen him in Doctor Who and whatnot, like I kind of want him to be a good guy in Arrow sometimes. Yeah. But then when he's really, really bad, like like he was in this last episode, like it's like I'm glad. Yeah, me too. So, um, anyway, I, I, just, a, I picture that gif that's uh, um, uh, Tennant, David Tennant doing the whole uh, Barrowman, you know, 
seen everybody's seen that by this point. Yeah. Even if you haven't watched any of that shit, you've probably seen that by this point. But anyway. Yeah. Um that that's what I was thinking this episode. This whole episode was like the, just that gif on repeat in my <laughs> head. Um So um Thea's in a bad way when when we pick up on this episode. In fact, she was in a bad way in the last episode. Yep. Um the bloodlust is coming coming hard and um there's shit going on with her injury from Ra's al Ghul from last season and yep. whatnot. And Merlin shows up long enough to explain that, um, you know, the, the, the bloodlust needs life. And if it doesn't get it, it's going to take it from the host essentially. So there's, right. you know, sort of regrowing her gigantic wound yeah. as a result and, you know, presumably dying. Um, but then we get a visit from Ra's al Ghul's daughter, whose name escapes me right now. Nissa. Nissa. Yeah. Um, because it's not Talia, which is, Nope. Yeah. Annoying. <laughs> yeah. Do we, have we gotten any uh, hints in the Arrow universe towards Talia? No. I don't think so. They, I haven't seen any anyway. They're just like, well, we brought Raz, but you know, the Batman guys won't let us have Talia. Maybe. Probably. She's the mom of the current Robin, so that kind of might be tied up in rights. I don't know. Yeah, and she was the big bad in... in uh, uh, well, spoiler. She was the big bad in um, Rises, Dark Knight Rises. Yeah. Um. So... Nessa shows up and she's like, so here's the deal. I can, I can cure Thea, uh, but uh, I'm not going to unless you kill Roz for me. And so then Oliver has to go think outside the box and double cross both of them almost essentially. Yeah. Which is kind of cool. Cause I mean, Oliver didn't used to think outside the box as much. No, he'd have just been like, yep, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was um, going to do that anyway. But by not killing Merlin, he actually pisses him off probably more than anything else he could have done. So yeah, that, kind of made an enemy out of him but merlin twice actually mentions uh ollie's son once to ollie and then um spoilers at the end to um dark damien dark to to kind of sell him out yeah so we'll see we'll see where this leads to it it can't end well for damien dark if he goes after ollie's kid no i i well first off i think damien dark has been a um sort of an ominous figure so far but i don't think they've done enough with him as a villain yet um, there's been a lot of things kind of going on in Arrow, on in Arrow in the first season, and there's a lot of things that I think are kind of getting overlooked, uh, um, especially in regards to Damian Dark. So I'm looking forward to seeing what this does in the second season. So I think bringing um, Ollie's kid into this is going to be a big fucking deal, essentially. Yeah. Um, and we still have, you know, that that very ominous grave that we still don't know who occupies. Yeah, uh, um, we know and, it's we know it's not Felicity at this point. Yeah. But that's uh, all we know. And actually, um, I think this actually lends credence. So everybody's been saying you know, th- there's some predominant theories going on since we saw that, which is, you know, Felicity, which we have a reasonably good likelihood that it's not her. Um, although I have seen speculation that when we see her in the limo, that's uh, uh, um, hallucination, essentially. Uh, so there's a possibility that, that, and that did make a little sense to me. So that's a, still a small possibility. So the next thing was, the thought was probably Diggle. Um, and, and don't, don't kill Diggle. Uh, I don't think we can at this point. I yeah. think he means too much. Yeah. And then now we've seen um, the kid. And and to me, from a writing standpoint, the kid makes a lot of sense. It does. Because it, it creates just enough tragedy for Ollie, but not that much because uh, he's his son. He doesn't know this fucking kid. He's seen him like twice. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I mean, and I can probably speak to this better than a lot of people. Like, I've got a kid that I don't know. And uh, I would still be furious to find out that something happened. Oh, you would. Yeah. But it's not the same. Like, Natalie? Yeah. Well, no, kind of is the same. Like. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I'm a dad. Like, 
they're like more than anything in well, this I don't world have this situation like, like i'm a parent and so to me it's like it's still my kid and even though i don't I, I haven't gotten the opportunity to know this kid at all uh and i i, I kind of see where ollie's coming from yeah at this point like and if that's the and if, if that's the case like it's going to be kind of a tough pill for me to swallow to watch on tv and whatnot i mean i'll still watch it because i think it's it's probably compelling yeah storytelling but um it's just one of those one of those things that well i guess the better framing for this would be to say that um if like the audience might revolt if they killed diggle um but that that is a an appropriate like that's a that's a huge impact for Ollie. Like I think they could do the same thing by killing the kid, which the audience has relatively little emotional investment in. Yeah, here's the thing. Barry showing up at the at the gravesite is one of the first things where I was like, Well, it's Felicity. Because mm-hmm. they have they had a solid relationship, those two. Um Diggle, I don't necessarily see Barry showing no. up for, but if Ollie lost his kid I can kind of see Barry showing up and reaching out to his friend who just lost a kid that he only just knew he had and whatnot. Um, Outside of Felicity, I think Barry's the only one that knows. Does Felicity know even at this point? Because of the timeline change? Oh, you're good. That's right. You're right. So I think Barry actually is the only person that knows then. Yeah. So the kid dying is... Wow, this just became my number one contender. Yeah. The kid dying does two things. One, it hits Ollie in a place that he hasn't been hit before. Yep. And two, it also puts him in an awkward position with Felicity, which again fuels the emo darkness, always blaming himself, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So it's going to do two, it, that, that serves two purposes. And, and to me, that's why this is the number one contender as well. See, like, I, you know, I want to see that, but I want to see this Ollie, like, get past it. I want to see, I want to see us getting closer to, towards the Green Arrow proper, which we have done a little this year, this season. Um, but we're, we're still not quite there yet. So I want to see that there'd be growth in Ollie's character and how he handles this. I, I think we are seeing green arrow proper. You do? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not necessarily the brooding cause, um, Oliver queen in the comic books, especially in the, um, modern age, like nineties books and stuff like that with his little goatee and whatnot. Like he was very, um, uh, very spry. Yeah. Very humorish you know things like that like he was kind of adolescent about things stuff like that we haven't quite seen that all yet but i mean he's a shitty fucking boyfriend yeah um a lot of other things that, that kind of happened See, with, you know, i don't with think this that's oliver. true anymore like this oliver's a, like a goddamn doting dog on felicity it no he, he really is obnoxious. like well because he really loves her and yeah. he doesn't really have a, a a place to uh step out on or whatnot because that that's that's kind of the oliver queen that we had before was he was kind of a philanderer and whatnot yeah um kind of the the billionaire playboy taken just one step too far <laughs> yep a little bit more pre-island ollie um, yeah at least from the arrow show versus this you know obviously with some growth in between but definitely taking more influence from the pre-island arrow um which this show, I think, is kind of making a point of that we're not... I don't think we're going to really... You know, now that I think about it, I don't think we're really going to see that Oliver. Like, that Oliver is a quite a bit of a different character, and I think that that is actually a, a regression in, in Ollie's growth over the series so far. Yeah, well, um, I don't th- I don't see it as a regression. I think of it as a progression, because it took uh, comic book Oliver a long time to get to that point, mm-hmm. whereas we're seeing it after four years. We're seeing TV Oliver Queen start to become 
a decent human being and and whatnot so well I, we I, never really saw the 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 philandering oliver queen except for just glimpses of him taking sarah on the boat instead of yeah. laurel and all that good stuff yeah so so anyway i like this episode um and then of course <laughs> we get we get to that point in the episode which was pretty bad first off this is another thing as badass as it was to watch it's another thing that drives me up the fucking wall um so merlin is Razal Ghul at this point? He's supposed to be one of the baddest dudes in the land, um, and Ali just takes him apart. Like it, it's a it's a relatively short fight. Malcolm didn't put up a fight at all. It it really felt like that. Like it really felt like Malcolm was taking the dive. I don't think that's what happened. Um, but watching it, it that's it how it felt because Ali just it, it didn't even look like a contest to me. Like Ali just tore him apart. Which uh, here's the thing: if you're gonna do that, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But then when we watched the show this week, he can't get beat up by a couple of dudes that just barely graduated the police academy. Right. That's and that's exactly where I was going with this. Like that should be the Oliver we're seeing. Oliver should be a badass. Um, Oliver should be you know fighting or see growth in his his abilities, and we should see him now being able to take Merlin apart. Like he's beaten Razal Ghoul. The real Razal Ghoul that didn't finagle his way into the the demons, uh, the demon head ring, you know, like uh, it, t- if you were gonna have a serious issue with Merlin, that would would not make a lot of sense. But it's gonna make even less sense, and I say it's going to because I'm almost sure that this is gonna happen at this point, like in the in the next week or two when we see Oliver fighting some you know overgrown security guard or something stupid like that. And, and, you know, getting beat, not beaten like dead, but, you know, not really coming out ahead in the match. Like, that's going to be a little retarded after this. So, um, they should have either made that fight harder or they need to just get really the best option would be be somewhat consistent. Like, if you're going to keep putting Oliver up against these things, you need to show him just shredding the dudes. Like, yeah, unless they bring something to the table that gives them an unfair advantage or whatnot, Oliver should always have the upper hand in any kind of hand-to-hand combat. Or yeah, it's like Batman. If Batman goes up against a couple of thugs on the street and is is like struggling, like that's like the antithesis of what Batman is. Batman's gonna eat through those guys in like a half second flat. Um, most of Batman's foils are are usually that because they're um, smart, like because they find some way to what combat you know. That's what I love about like Arkham Asylum and Arkham City and Arkham Knight is those games, when you encounter street thugs along the street, I mean, where else are you going to find them? Yeah. But when you encounter those, you can fight 10 guys and come out relatively unscathed. It's only when you get to the boss fights with the big villains and stuff like that that it actually is relatively difficult to to figure out. Yeah, um, or, you know, like, uh, having just played through Arkham Knight, I still haven't actually completely beaten the game, which is another cool thing. We talked about video games a little earlier, but um, you can beat the main story in Arkham Knight without beating a whole lot of the rest of the game. But uh, Arkham Knight being, you know, the third in the trilogy and being sort of the the trilogy's uh, swan song, um, you beat the game and it's not over. And, And that's right. We're referring to it as a trilogy. We know that Arkham Origins exists, but we don't acknowledge it as being a separate entity. <laughs> yeah, um, it wasn't the worst game ever, but um, it it doesn't quite hold a candle to Arkham City or um, Arkham Knight to me. So, or even Asylum, really. Yeah, well, it's maybe on par with Asylum, but I I ding it a little bit because it it's really just kind of rehashing a well, lot of was, things that they was did in the Asylum. Third game, and it didn't 
still wasn't i mean to me origins wasn't even what asylum was and asylum was the very first game in that series yeah so you didn't have the openness that you had in in arkham city which expands in arkham knight even you just had another game yeah so um god what the fuck were we talking about (laughs) (laughs) um you beat the game yeah without actually ending the game yeah there's still more to go so like you can beat the main story mission and there's still more to go to get to another big payoff um which is what i'm working through right now um but yeah that's the way i feel about uh batman too like uh, in arkham knight you can go up against 15 or 20 guys before it really gets hard and all of those guys are basically specifically trained with knowledge on how to take out batman and his common tactics so I don't think Oliver is quite the same caliber caliber as Batman, especially not this Oliver. But I mean, three security guards can't be giving him trouble. No, like anarchy. Anarchy should like that. There, that never should have been a fight. Well, and what the fuck was anarchy on? Like the second time they ran into that guy, he was like some unstoppable ninja. Yeah, yeah. He's like he went from like angsty emo teen to like I just went and trained on the island for five years and now yeah. I can totally whoop everybody's ass yeah this is another thing like that including thea thea who is under the fucking sway of this bloodlust like he beat thea and there's no way that he beats thea in any way shape or form when she's actually actively looking to kill somebody which she i mean granted she was holding herself back but Trained by Malcolm Merlin, you know, uh, um, again, maybe didn't kill Sarah Lance without a blink. Yeah, he was he was actually the uh, a member of the League of Assassins. So like that, that's something, you know, and then all of a sudden anarchy gives everybody trouble. But this is another thing that, you know, like further instances of Arrow just not having any real clue when it comes to making some plausible backstories and fighting abilities. Laurel. Does Laurel really belong on the team? I mean, like, she took a couple of kickboxing classes and with, trained with for, like, a cat. week with, uh, uh... Was he the black cat? Yeah. yeah I think so. Yeah. I don't remember. But, and trained for, like, two weeks with Nyssa, and now all of a sudden, like, she's supposed to be the equal and taking out, you know, six or seven guys at the same time. Well, I'm one of the things that I like that they're doing with Laurel now is she's actually doing less hand-to-hand combat. I mean, there is some. Yeah. But she's using her canary scream a little bit more yeah. to get the advantage and whatnot, and... I think as long as they keep doing that with her, then it's more plausible that she's actually as effective as she is because she's got a, an advantage. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, and, and like that's, I mean, we'll know on Wednesday. Yeah. So anyway, the, pen, the, the best scene ever, you know, basically not ever, but the best scene of this episode I thought was uh, Ollie taking the hand. That was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, and, and anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, um, anyway, Nissa is actually, Ollie works it out to where Nissa challenges Malcolm for leadership of, of the League of Assassins. And Oliver, because he's technically in, in the eyes of the League, still married to Nissa, steps in and fights in her place. That was a funny part, too, I thought. Yeah. Because uh, I, I actually did not see that coming. I, you know, I knew that we we're going to have some contrived methodology for getting him into the ring with Merlin, but I didn't know that was going to be it. So I yeah. thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. So anyway, that was fun. Yeah. Um, and Malcolm Merlin now only has one hand, so that's another. I presume he's going to get some sort of robot hand pretty soon. They're going to pull an Agent Coulson with him. I think so. Yeah. Who I don't knows? think anybody loses a hand for real anymore. Or Damian Dark just gives him a new hand. Like uh, after Star Wars and especially the prequel trilogy, I've been desensitized to people losing hands. <laughs> it's not that big a deal anymore. Right. Um. 
like just go down to the hand store and get a new hand got hand stores on every corner um what else we got uh batman bad blood haven't seen it yet yeah uh it's getting rather mixed reviews i think but i liked it um it, it gets a little bit more into the bat family um so it's worth a watch uh and i guess since you haven't seen it we won't go too in depth but yeah give it a watch it's not bad uh have you seen did you see batman versus robin the, no, the one... I actually have not watched a, a ton of the, the Batman animated movies. The last one that I saw was actually the Suicide Squad one. Oh, uh, Arkham Assault on Arkham. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think that um, Batman versus Robin was the next entry after that. Um, but it sort of gets into the Damien storyline, and then this continues that uh, and goes uh, towards the Bat family a little bit more. Um, so it was pretty good. I like that aspect of it, at least. Um, there there are some weaknesses in there, and like I said, it's getting kind of mixed reviews, but it's worth watching. Uh, and let's face it, I'm probably going to watch all of these anyway. So, Okay, last up in DC, we have a big topic, I think, um, or a relatively big topic, because we can probably tear this thing apart for in the next half hour. But uh, we got the final Dawn of Justice trailer. Which um, only serves to make me interested in watching this movie even more. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I, and I don't remember where everybody stood on this movie um, when we first found out that this was going to be the sequel to Man of Steel. Um, I honestly I thought it was bullshit. I, I know that I was never torn about it like I was with Suicide Squad, and like I still am with Suicide Squad. Like as as much as I love Margot Robbie, and I think what she could do, I. Still, I'm not 100% sold on this movie. Um, but now that we have another, um, more, a little bit more information on it too, um, see, this movie with every trailer, I get more and more excited about it. And that's barring that they gave a little too much away in the last trailer, um, which was a bigger problem for, I, I think, you and Sam than it was for me. But yeah, I was a little disappointed. Yeah. I, I mean, I kind of expected it anyway, so I didn't really care that much. But. Um, seeing Ben Affleck more and more in each trailer as yeah. as both Bruce Wayne and as Batman and stuff like that has made me more excited about it which consequently is making me a little bit more excited about Suicide Squad because I think his role in Suicide Squad is going to be not cameo and not like a full on like supporting role but somewhere in between like yeah. I think we're going to see Batman a little bit more than what we're expecting so First off, I have so many thoughts. Um, so number one, I, uh, I'll get this one out of the way because I don't need to spend a lot of time on it. I'm a little disappointed that the most interesting thing to me or what I'm most excited to see in the Superman sequel is Batman. Um, but watch this trailer because you're going to totally get what I'm saying, I think. Uh, Batman, this, you know, we go back a few episodes and I think we talked probably in the first episode of whatever, uh, which don't go listen to it. It's terrible, but, uh, you, you can't right now anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we talked about this in the first episode of whatever, um, about Batman or Ben Affleck playing Batman. And I think, uh, I for certain was a little reserved. Like I thought he would do okay. Uh, because a uh, daredevil aside, Ben Affleck is a fairly accomplished actor um he, i think he's he's maybe a little bit better of a director than he is an actor but he's still a good fucking actor um but i was a little reserved i completely the opposite now in fact i'll call it right now this is the best batman slash bruce wayne we have seen on screen to date yeah and i and i'm fairly positive where i'm gonna have the same feeling when i walk out of this movie i think i pretty well jumped on that as soon as i realized that he was cast for it um which means before we actually started the show because that happened 
a couple of years ago now. A couple of years ago, yeah. I think it was 20, 2013, I think is when they announced that. Um, but that being said, I still wasn't sure what kind of movie we were getting. And that's... Here's here's the thing, man. Like I, I'll give a lot of people the benefit of the doubt because... I mean, there's a lot of movies that are shit, including Ben Affleck's uh, Daredevil movie, but it wasn't shit because of Ben Affleck. It was shit because that was a fucking shitty script. Yeah. And there's... Oh, any person who's familiar with film at all knows that there's more than one person in any given scene because there's always a director. And it's the director that says, okay, let's go with that, that doesn't say, let's try let's try it again and let's time do it this way or whatever. Like if you're not going to direct a movie and you're going to let the actor just deliver shitty dialogue and go along with it, then it's as much your fault as it is the actors. Yeah. So I think that this movie has a lot of things playing towards its strengths. Number one, uh, for whatever faults you find with man of steel, Henry Cavill to me is not one of them. He's a good Superman. He's, he's an amazing Superman. Uh, I, I really like everything I've seen from him. Um, so far, like he's got that smile, that, that smile he does that just, I think maybe when uh, he's rescuing Lois in the Antarctica thing, he smiles at her to you know kind of calm her down, and and that I think was right there where I was like, oh yeah, he's Superman, um, because that's that's one of the things that I definitely like. Superman is calming by nature, and I think that that that's something that Cavill portrays really well. So I think you have that going for you. You've got um, Ben Affleck, uh, who I've just said is going to be probably the best Batman we've seen so far. Um, so there's a lot of positives there. I even really like this Alfred Batman dynamic that we're seeing in this trailer a lot better than I than previously. Um, uh, well, that's not true. I really liked uh, um, Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Uh, as uh, Alfred. The size of a tangerine. Yeah. <laughs> Some men just want to watch the world burn. Um, this is the worst Michael Caine impression ever. Oh, God. Uh, you, I don't think you do a, a bad Caine. Yeah. I, I think Every, any Michael Caine impression. I mean, if those, you've seen Austin does. Powers, yeah. Goldfinger, then you, you, I mean, you know that there's not a bad Michael Caine impression. <laughs> um, but... There's a couple of big question marks that have fallen in this, and that is the writing. Um, and th- although the guy's name escapes me right now, I do remember looking up the writer and thinking, no, actually, he's got some chops. Like, he's directed some success, or not directed, but written some good things. Um, and one of the reasons I question the writing is because Snyder's directing. And Snyder has done a lot of properties where he's been sort of, like, largely involved in the writing, and they haven't been great. You know, like Sucker Punch. Sucker Punch is a visual treat. But it's not... It's somewhat lacking in substance. Yeah. Um, and so I've been concerned with Snyder being, you know, the the big creative force behind this. Except for the fact that Snyder is, like, a he's an amazing visual director. Like, I, I uh, you, you can already see it in the trailers. I think whether the movie sucks or not, it will be very fun to watch because Snyder's going to do some really cool things with the visual side of it. But um, the other thing that I'm really... That makes me a lot... Uh, feel a lot better about Snyder is... I just really get the sense that he's like a huge comic book fan. Uh, the inspiration for this, uh, um, obviously coming from the Dark Knight Re- uh, Returns, which we're going to talk about, I'm sure, um, just lends you know even more credence to that. I think so. Yeah. Well, here's the thing too. He does he does a lot of stuff visually with his movies that you may or may not agree with. Um, Sucker Punch was all basically in a sepia color format. Sepia, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, Man of Steel, I, I mean, if you've listened to the show more than once, you've heard me refer to it as the black and white Superman movie um, because he desaturated 
the color to such an extent that there's there's there nothing pops in that movie. There's no vibrant colors at all. See, but this one here's another thing that gives me a little bit of faith. They've undone a little bit of that in this movie. Uh, it does look like there's. I mean, unless unless the final product is is a departure from what we've seen in the trailers. It does look like there's, there's a lot more color in this movie than there has been. At least in the case where I noticed it the most is Superman's suit, because Superman's suit is a very, very dark, dark blue in man of steel. And this one comes off a little bit brighter to me. And the scene with Ben Affleck as Bruce Wayne, when he's um, sheltering the little girl from the explosions on the streets. Yeah. um, There's a lot of color in Ben Affleck's face and in his, his um, long sleeve shirt and whatnot under his vest. So, Right now, I mean, this movie looks it looks less like he's trying to play with it visually and more like he's actually trying to um, adapt a, a comic book script into a, a movie. Yeah. Um, similar to Watchmen. Watchmen actually was a really good movie and he didn't actually play around with it visually a, a ton. Well, he he did a little bit, but this is another thing that I can't I think really plays to Snyder's strengths. Like Watchmen, I think was a really interesting movie to watch just from a visual standpoint. He did you um, Snyder does actually kind of use similar coloring in all of his movies. Now that I think about it, like Three Hundred had a very uh, distinct visual tone to it. Um, Watchmen had a very distinct coloring to it. Uh, obviously, Man of Steel, Sucker Punch. You know, like th- that's definitely one of the tricks in his bag. Um, but I think he's using it a little bit more wisely, a little bit from what I can see from this trailer. Uh, not entirely, though, because like I'd still like to see Wonder Woman see it be a little bit brighter. Um, yeah, yeah, and I think so far the only time we've seen Wonder Woman on screen, too, is at night. Yeah. So, I mean, we don't know that if we saw it during the day that it wouldn't pop a little bit more. Um, Watchmen, and my point about that is, is yeah, there's a little bit of stuff done with the with the color saturation, but not a ton. You know what I mean? If anything, they made a little. They made the background stuff maybe a little bit duller, just so that uh, Doctor Manhattan popped a little bit more because he's big yeah. and fucking giant, blue naked dude. Yeah. Um, Watchmen is actually the one thing that actually had me a little bit worried about Batman versus Superman to begin with, because Watchmen was so wonderfully done as as far as staying completely true to the original source material. For the most I, part, some people got really butthurt about changing the ending. Even yeah, though the it ending accomplishes the same thing. Yeah, the ending was different, but um. I was I was concerned about how well he would do with a comic book story that didn't so much have an origin at all. I mean, even Man of Steel had somewhat of an origin, and he took some liberties with it, and some people were happy with it, some people weren't. Um, but ultimately, it didn't make for a bad movie at the end of the day. This movie, though, is completely different because we actually haven't seen anything like it, mostly. Um, which is, I, I think, what we're going to talk about next, which is heading into some, the influences that, that he drew from Frank Miller. Yeah. Which is good because I just kind of want to gush about Batman for a little bit. Um, <laughs> so this Batman is obviously heavily inspired by The Dark Knight Returns. If you have not read the book, go read the comic book if you're a comic book reader. If you haven't read the comic book and you're not a comic book reader, you can see there's a pretty good ad- adaptation, an animated adaptation you can go check out. Um, it, it's split into two parts. It, it is essentially two one-and-a-half-hour movies um, because The Dark Knight Returns is actually a pretty good size run for a limited series. It, yeah, it's the, and not so here the thing about Frank Miller is that not only did he write it, he wrote a lot of it. Like in it, like there's there's a lot of dialogue. Um if definitely. If you're a comic book fan that's only been a comic book fan since like the 90s, you may not have caught The Dark Knight Returns because I think it was in 86. Yeah. 
but uh in fact um michael keaton's batman the 1989 batman was actually um i don't want to say derived from it but that batman that we saw in that 1989 movie was very similar to the batman that we saw in in the dark knight returns is being is though he was a little darker like the black suit versus the blue and gray and all that good stuff do you think so i thought that was um i mean i think they had to go with black because the film i i'm still the gray looks okay with me but i i I still um i like the original images i saw the first image or two that came out of affleck as batman was a lot darker looking right so and i think i like that a little bit better but here's the thing i like about this batman um first off i hope we're gonna see more of this and there's already a lot of hints that i can get from the trailers um but I never, you know, like when they announced that they were going to do like a sort of Justice League thing, um, the thought at the time was that they might bring Christian Bale back uh, uh, to be in as part of that. And I could just never see that in my head. Christian Bale's Batman just couldn't stand with Superman. Does not play well with others. Yeah, doesn't play well with others. That's part of it. But he's just not that Batman. Like it's. The Batman that we saw from from Nolan and Christian Bale was not a comic book Batman. No, not at all. I mean, it very real world based. It gave a plausible backstory for how somebody could become Batman in the real world. Um, and, and there was a little bit of, you know, going beyond what's really possible, you know, with the, the bat pod fly thingy and, and some of that stuff. But it, it just th- there was a lot of the um, aspects missing from that Batman. Like, for example, um, he doesn't feel as massive on screen as Affleck does. Um, which, you know, when you're standing up against Superman, you kind of need that to be a thing. I mean, he's technically adept. He can fight, but he doesn't feel like... I, I, I feel like if Affleck's Batman took on Bale's Batman from a fighting standpoint, it'd be over in like three minutes. Uh, I, I think a lot of people that that complained about Affleck being cast as Bruce Wayne slash Batman are forgetting the fact that Ben Affleck is a big dude. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. He's not a little man. No. So that's a positive. Um, the other thing I think about uh, Affleck's Batman compared to Bruce's Batman is that um, no, uh, Nolan's Batman, yeah, Bale's. Uh, uh, Bale's Batman is, and this is you know not really Bale's fault. It's it's the direction, but or the direction in writing. But it's he's not the detective. He's not the world's greatest detective. They they show elements of that. Um, but when it comes down to it, he, he seems like he's gotten, you know, a little bit better at Google than a lot of people, less than being the world's greatest detective that we see from. Yeah, we saw business acumen from the Bale Batman. We didn't see detective. Yeah. At all. Like, um, at all, really. Mm, yeah, for the most part. I mean, but there's there's just a lot of aspects like that that I think are just missing from uh, the Nolan Batman that are sort of necessary when you're going to talk about bringing them up with these gigantic superheroes. The Flash, Superman, um, uh, Cyborg's going to be in this one, Aquaman. You know, like, there has to be a good reason for Batman to be there, and I don't think Bale's Batman would have a good reason to be there. Um, there's nothing really that translates well for me there. Yeah. Um, it, it, if nothing else that that bail might try, I, I feel like that bail might try to take on, you know, Superman in a similar situation, but I feel like he'd lose really fast. It's not believable that he would be successful in any way, shape or form. No, I, I immediately get the sense from this Batman that that's, that 
we're we're now talking about the comic Batman. Like we're now talking about the best, the, the world's greatest detective, the world's best fighter, the Batman who's got a plan for everything, the Batman you know that that we um, basically know and love. Um, so. Yeah, this Batman looks super awesome to me. And and I think we talked about this a little bit um when the last trailer dropped, but his Bruce Wayne, his Bruce Wayne looks amazing too. Um like it's a little bit of a toned down, you know, like Bruce Wayne is the mask. I think we've talked about that on the show plenty of times. <laughs> uh Bruce Bruce Wayne is definitely the the mask that that Batman wears essentially. Um but Bales, it was a little over the top. I think they've toned that down a little bit for this movie, and and you can still see that Bruce Wayne is putting on a face when he goes out as Bruce Wayne in Man Man uh, Man of Steel two or whatever. Well, but, here's here's the Bale Batman breaks down to this. He became Batman because his parents died. He then took eight years off because his girlfriend died. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be a good criticism to throw because I think we're going to see a little bit something similar in this movie. Yeah, but it I I'm more comfortable with it if it's for the reasons that I think it is. Same. So, I mean, you know, maybe you're right, maybe I'm a little too harsh on that, but I mean, he barely knew her. <laughs> Well, that's and not she true. wasn't even going to be his girlfriend. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't think they did a, a fantastic job of playing that on screen. But they, I mean, they were friends since childhood, and you know. And for all intents and purposes, the end of Batman Begins, they were going to have a thing. Yeah, uh, that, that's where we left off at the end of that. But I, yeah. So yeah, don't get me wrong. I'm not shooting over, over all over the uh, um, Nolan Batman universe. I really like the. Nolan I'm Batman shooting all over the third one. I thought that I thought that movie sucked so bad in so many ways for so many reasons. Mm, I wouldn't go that far. I did think it was the the most mediocre. Um, I I um that begins and uh Dark Knight Rises or returns Dark Knight, the Dark whatever Knight. the fuck the just the Dark middle Knight. one. Yeah, damn it, the Heath Ledger one. Yeah, the Joker one. Um controversially i think a lot of people would say or not controversially but i think a lot of people would say that the dark knight is the best of the trilogy and i totally don't begrudge them for that but i really like begins Uh, the last movie though um the dark knight rises it was okay but it it, to me what did not feel like on the same level of the the previous two so it got a little too contrived here's here's my problem with that movie one the fact that it was um talia was relatively predictable. See, I didn't see it right away, so I I gave him that one. Predictable in hindsight, sure, but um I didn't I didn't I didn't pick up on that. Like that was a surprise to me. Uh well there was there was a leak prior to the movie uh-huh. that um something having to do with Ra's al Ghul was there and so then as soon as I saw this chick character that I had no idea yeah, where like, she I'll came from. Tell you. Yeah, oh. I knew that's I I knew that's where they were going with it, but um and then the fact that Bane wasn't used, Bane still wasn't given the amount of credit that Bane should be given as a as a villain. That nobody's gotten his character right. Tom Hardy did an amazing job as far as bulking up and being Bane and whatnot. But Bane, in the comic books, figured out who Batman was just simply by releasing all the inmates from Arkham and watching Batman wear himself then until he realized 
who his real world counterpart was by his absences and whatnot, and then went to the mansion and fucked him up. Like, see, the thing about Bane is that um, this Bane, I think, and this is sort of an, another, you know, a good, good, um, I guess, tie into the Nolan universe that gets the comic book. I mean, like it waters down the comic book versions essentially. Like the the um, one of the quintessential characteristics of Bane is that he's this big, jacked, muscular dude who who is a phys- on physical par, uh, or actually physically bigger, stronger, faster, etc. than Batman. But what a lot of people miss, I think, and what Nolan's Batman misses too, is that Bane is also really fucking smart. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, Anyway, this Batman that we're seeing, I think, in, in Man of Steel is the Batman that I think can go toe-to-toe with Superman. Like, um, th- That's one of the things that I really like about it. If you watch the trailer, too, we talked about this a little bit, but um, the first fight, you get to see Batman fight in this trailer, like really fight. Oh, yeah. And, and I see so much Dark Knight returns in there. And I see a, even a lot of Arkham, like a lot of the Arkham games. Like it feels very much like an Arkham fight, although I will say that they turn the 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 just the brutality of it up to eleven here, which is which is another thing that is taken from the Dark Knight Returns quite a bit, is because the Batman that we see in the Dark Knight Returns is a Batman who has essentially not been Batman for a super long time, and the world is getting to a point where he can't take it anymore. Yeah, he and he, he just can't not be Batman. And it's it's everything that he worked for as Batman still isn't accomplished, and then the world is becoming a worse place than it was when he stopped being Batman. So yep. he's driven to do it again, and when he comes back, he's ten times more brutal than he was. You know, I think I think Bruce Wayne and Batman. Um, I think one of the things is is it's sort of like addiction. Like uh, Bruce is not a stable individual. Um, if it really come down to it, I don't think he's really a sta- stable individual. I think uh, the thing here is that um, Batman and Bruce Wayne, like Batman is obsessed, or, or Bruce Wayne rather, is obsessed with being Batman. It's a compulsion for him to be Batman. I think this is like the longest he's, he's you know, gotten on the wagon or fallen off the wagon when we see this Batman, you know, emerge in, in Man of Steel. Um, but the thing is that it's always, it's always just looming. Like it, he's always probably tempted, which is what you see in the dark Knight returns. I think he's always, um, fighting himself to go back to being Batman until he finally just kind of gives in. It, it is like the, the addiction to be Batman conquers him. Yeah. Um, this is very what much the way it's portrayed I'm, in the book. I'm stoked for this movie. I really oh, am. God, yeah. And, and Eddie and I talked about this before we actually went on for the show, um, this evening is, uh, March 25th is its open date. If they do a show at 10 o'clock at night on the 24th, which, I mean, I don't see any reason why they wouldn't because that's what they do for big movies. Yeah. Um, we're probably going to be there. And I told him that this time it's probably not only going to be just us, but my kids and my wife <laughs> will be there as well. Cause it's spring break and I don't see any reason not to take my kids to go see this awesome fucking comic book movie. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're into this kind of thing anyway. So, yeah, that's a Thursday, Friday. So yeah. one of one of those. Um, I don't know what my work schedule is going to be like, but I will. There, there's no question I will see this opening weekend. Yeah, I can't see it Friday with the wife because she has to work that night. But I know that All if right. they do it, if they do a Thursday show, then it's a for sure. Yeah, because she's off that deal. day. So uh, then I might have to see the Thursday show because I don't know if I'm going to be able to like like. Will you be able to contain it if if uh, 
we don't see it on the same day. Yeah, and we'll have to have the Summers boys down. Uh, we're already going to have them down probably. I don't think it's going to be the weekend Sam wanted to do it, which was the weekend of the 5th, but I think the 12th I'm free. Yeah. Have have the Summers brothers uh, read or seen The Dark Knight Returns? I don't know. I mean, I know you said Bryce is a big Batman fan and, and Sam too. I, I don't see... Sam's probably... They both, they both are big comic book fans, especially Batman, and I think one of them... Like I think one was collecting Detective and the other one was collecting the Batman series, so I gotcha. think probably they're they. I don't see how they wouldn't have read it, but we'll make sure they're they're caught up on it anyway. Um, yeah, I do. I, I do feel like if you want to get a little bit more aspect in into what we're going into with uh, um, Batman versus Superman, you really need to read The Dark Knight Returns or watch the animated movie. It it is a fantastic um, example or gives you a, really a lot of idea about what we're talking about e- in the movie here. Even if the story itself isn't directly derived from the Dark Knight Returns, there's going to be some things that you see in the movie that are almost panel for panel taken from the pages of that oh, book. There, there's so. a heavy amount of inspiration taken from the book. Like the, the, In fact, when you see the suit, the suit is quite different from what we've seen on screen so far. Like You can see um, from 89 Batman to, to Batman Returns, there's a clear progression. And then into Forever and even into the Clooney Batman, there's a clear progression. When you get into the Nolan universe, you see you know a, a sort of a different take on the suit, but not that much different. The Batman versus Superman Batman is quite different. Um, and so a lot of people are probably wondering what the fuck's going on with that and just go read The Dark Knight Returns because that's one of the things that you can clearly see is inspired from that book, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I, again, I'm excited for this. We actually, um, again, like I mentioned, I think on the, on the 12th or around that weekend in, in March, I think we're going to do a, a four person round table for sure viewing of, of man of steel. So we'll, we'll talk through that movie and, uh, lead everybody up to the point where we can go into Donna justice. And then, um, I don't think we'll probably pull a Star Wars and and do the movie and then come to a roundtable immediately afterward. No, th- this 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 is not like I haven't been waiting fifteen years or something like but, that for this. But we'll try and do it that weekend. Like if everybody has seen it by the time that Saturday rolls around, we'll try and get together and and uh, and talk talk through uh, Donna Justice. Um, I don't need to tell you that there's going to be spoilers and whatnot, so just be prepared. Yeah. All right. So let's finish up. Um, uh, I, I guess the easy one is um, Matt finished reading The Dark Knight Returns this week or relatively recently. You want to talk about that at all? Yeah, this is actually the section that I kind of wanted to get to more than anything. And, and, and I have a little bit more discussion for comic books than what we've got listed here. Um, but we'll progress into that. Yes, I did finish The Dark Knight Returns uh, finally after many, many months. I, I, we've talked about it on the show before when I first started reading it. And then, um, like I mentioned, it's it's not an easy read. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to like, there's a lot of comic books that I can probably get through six, seven, eight issues in a one hour sitting like easily. Another book we're going to talk about is Green Lantern Rebirth. And I literally read that in like an hour and a half. So yeah, it's single sitting just front, front to back. It's a lot easier to read. I think the Dark Knight Returns, like Matt said, is very, very dialogue heavy. So it's not like a, you know, it's, you read a lot. Yeah. And, and not like, not in a bad way. It's just, it's a dense book. Like where I think I, I was going to talk about this earlier, where I was and where I was going with it is, if you were a comic book fan that picked up like in the '90s, like early to mid '90s, if you've read Spawn with its very small um, blocks on the page and then lots of dialogue in them, 
that's actually the Dark Knight Returns and and some of Frank Miller stuff is probably where Todd McFarlane actually took some of that style from is because there's like there's pages of of the Dark Knight Returns where there's literally like twenty blocks and each one of them is almost completely f- like half filled with dialogue. Right. So this is it's not a book you're probably going to pick up and read in one sitting. Yeah. Which I, I, I didn't either. I'm, I'm a pretty voracious reader, and I did, I did not read this one in a single sitting either. The Dark Knight Strikes Again, on the other hand, I'm going to be done with it probably tomorrow. Yeah. And I only started it yesterday. Well, see, the thing about that is um, I think that's a somewhat controversial book. Like, I don't think uh, The Dark Knight Returns is con- considered one of the classic quintessential Batman stories up there with books like The Long Halloween, The Killing Joke. Uh, etc. Uh, Strikes Again, though, did not nearly reach that level, as, as far as I understand it. I have not read this book. This is going to be on my to-read for this week, probably. But Yeah, I'm, um, I'm half done with it now. And it, it's, it's so far not bad. Um, he might be trying to do too much with this book, and I'm not going to say too much because you haven't read it yet. Um, but what I can tell you is that it's not nearly as dialogue-heavy as, as the first one. And I think that's probably where a lot of people were turned off by it because Frank Miller is a pretty cerebral writer. Yeah. Um, but I also don't know because he's got he's come under fire in the last several years too about some uh, subject matter dealing with race and whatnot that yeah may not be what the general populace uh, agrees with these days in this day and age. So uh, I again, I, I can't really speak or judge it because I haven't finished it yet. But so far, I don't have a problem with it other than the fact that I can tell you that it's a much easier book to read than the first one. Yeah. Um. So before any any you know major thoughts or impressions on the Dark Knight Returns you want to go over? Um. I mean, we talked a lot about this book already, so um, I I kind of feel like. Yeah, and this is one of the things that I don't really want to spoil too much because if a we haven't seen uh donna justice yet and i think there's there's going to be some parts of this book that translate into that movie pretty well so i don't want to spoil that for anybody uh going into a movie that's not even released yet another thing is is this book is really not one that i don't i think that like you and i could probably sit down and talk about it on a on a separate episode and do an entire episode just about this particular book i totally agree um so for the sake of of anybody who hasn't read it yet who might want to read it before we actually do do an episode like that I want to just leave it, leave it at that until they get a chance to read it. I'll just say, you know, I've, we've already kind of alluded to this already, but this is one of the best Batman stories. Like to me, it's one of the best, one of my favorite Batman stories for sure. Um, secondarily, it is clearly in, um, you know, Matt, you mentioned to me earlier this week, uh, Snyder's on record. This, this, this is clearly an inspiration for uh, Donna justice. So if you got time, it might be something you want to read before Donna justice comes out. Um, it doesn't really matter. You can read it after you're still going to see the same inspirations. Um, I don't think we're going to see a direct story rip off or anything like that. Yeah. But, um, there, you can clearly see where inspiration is taken from this. Uh, and it's collected. Like you don't have to actually go find the original issues or anything like that. Like you can find, totally. you can find a, uh, trade paperback or a hardbound graphic novel that covers the entire thing too. It's actually on Kindle. I don't know if a lot of people know this, but if you have Kindle on the iPad or whatever, um, or I'm presumably Android as yeah. well, they do have uh, graphic novels and comics and stuff like that you can buy from there. So that's where I got it. Um, yeah. And it, it's, you know, like you said, collected work and works really well. I'm surprised because there's a lot of finer points of, you know, reading comics on the, the, in the digital age that I, I thought that, you know, the Kindle not being a comic reader 
like not immediately obvious that that's where you could go to buy comics. I thought it was going to kind of suck and they would miss some of that, those finer points, but it, it reads really well on, on, on the iPad. I want to say that Amazon was probably selling comics on Kindle before, um, the, uh, what's the big app for comics now that you actually the buy that you can buy it from the comicsology. Comic, yeah. Comicsology. I think it was around, I think Amazon was doing that before comicsology was. Yeah. I, well, don't they own comicsology now? Uh, they might now. I think, I think. Oh yeah. Yeah, they do. Cause they do. that was a kerfuffle. Yeah, but yeah. Um, you, I mean, they've, they've sold comic books and shit on Kindle for a long time. So if if you, I mean, you, you can find it if you want to read it. Yeah. Um, funny side note, I was watching uh, Big Bang Theory. Yeah. I've kind of been watching older episodes and stuff because I haven't watched it in a couple of years and I kind of like to. Uh-huh. Um, because, well, Penny's hot. And... Fair. Yeah, fair. But uh, one of the episodes that I was, I was watching uh bernadette actually had dropped a curling iron on one of howard's comic books and ruined it and was in stewart's comic book shop trying to replace it and he didn't have it and they had to go to a different comic shop across town and whatnot and it was actually issue one of the dark knight returns oh yeah i'd be pissed they showed the cover of it like not like it wasn't like full-on but you know they kind of had it in their hand and they were moving it and like i could tell i was like that's dark knight returns just read that (laughs) (laughs) so all right um so is this last? You still have more because you mentioned you have other things. That you I don't... do want to talk about some other things, but I want to hear your impressions of uh, Green Lantern Rebirth story because you you talked last show about how you just finished the Flash Rebirth. Yeah, and I had mentioned that the Green Lantern Rebirth, which was prior to the Flash, was actually probably a better book. And I agree. Actually, I liked Green Lantern the the, the Green Lantern Rebirth story. I liked a little bit better. Um, the the thing that I didn't like so much about the Flash Rebirth is that um, it kind of uh, makes it too much about Barry Allen and uh, takes away a little bit uh, from the other, you know, characters who have played the flash and the other, you know, the rest of the speedsters that, you know, on the good side. Um, but uh, I really like green lantern rebirth. Um, of course it, it does a similar thing for Hal Jordan, but I think not nearly to the, to, to the degree um, Hal Jordan is um, probably the quintessential green lantern, but there's been a lot of people who have taken up that mantle um, over the years and this manages to do that without necessarily taking that away from them um, so the green obviously Hal's the main focus of the story and uh, takes up most of the screen time there are some characters like I thought John Stewart was a little underrepresented in there I, I can speak to that when you're done with your overall yeah but um, the the other lanterns get a lot of get a good showing in there um, even uh God, what's his fucking name? Guy Gardner? No. Mm-hmm. Who's the really old lantern? The, oh, like, Alan Scott. Yeah, Alan Scott. Even Alan Scott makes it in the book and, and has a good role to play. Um, so I, I really, really... I, I enjoyed the book. I mean, the short of it is I enjoyed the book. I thought that was a, the, that the way that they brought Hal back was pretty awesome. Um, or, you know, believable, at least. So, um, yeah, give that a read. If you're a fan, fan of Green Lantern, I'd, I'd say this is up there as far as Green Lantern stories go. Um, yeah. So for those of you unfamiliar with the Green Lantern, uh, universe as a, as a general rule, Green Lantern is actually one of the first comic books that I started reading, um, which is, this is actually the meat and potatoes of the comic book discussion I wanted to have with Eddie, because as much as we've talked about pop culture and modern comic book stories and things like that, I don't think I've ever actually sat down and asked the dude what, what was the first comic book he read? Like, what was it about whatever that comic book was that led him down the path that he's gone down to, to, to the point where we're doing the show. You know, um, 
so I, I'm probably going to lose a lot of nerd cred, but I didn't read a lot of comic books. In fact, I, I really didn't read comic books growing up at all. Like I didn't get into comic books until probably the last four or five years. And the first book I read, Oh God. Um, it, it was probably a Batman book. Like I want to say it was probably like the, the long Halloween or something like that. Like I, I, I distinctly remember reading a Reddit thread or something like that with, uh, somebody else was asking, you know, uh, I want to get into reading, uh, Batman essentially. Um, and what should I read? And, you know, a lot of titles came up and, um, uh, you know, that I've already mentioned now, the long Halloween, dark Knight returns, etc. Um, and so I got into reading that. So I read, I read a lot of the big Batman stories and I, um, Eventually started the new 52 and I'm caught up on the new 52 Batman and all that. But, uh, Superman, same. Like I read a lot of the big Superman stories. Um, I read a lot of the big, uh, bigger flash stories. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's always something like I look at it as like a little bit of regret because I have a feeling that I would have really enjoyed reading this as I grew up. But for whatever reason, comic books really didn't hit my radar when I was a kid. Um, which is almost silly because every other nerdy thing did, but not comic books for some reason. So this is going to surprise you. <laughs> okay, it's probably not. Um, no, I actually had a buddy of mine that was that started reading comic books a little bit before me, and he was like, "Hey, I just I just started reading Green Lantern," and I was like, "Yeah, what's that all about?" Because I had heard about the character of Green Lantern before. Yeah, same. Um, didn't really know what he represented or anything like that, and he was like, "Well, basically, his ring um, can do whatever he can imagine. Like he like as long as he's got the willpower." to make it happen, he can make it happen. And I'm a pretty stubborn individual. So for me, that kind of, it, it hit home for me. You know, Lantern actually is one of the, um, underrepresented here, underrepresented heroes in today's culture, but he's one of my favorites for the same exact reason. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I started picking it up and what I did is I, I went to my comic book store and I started buying back issues and they actually had, a Green Lantern number one from the um, it's, it's volume three because I think it started in 91 90 or 91 um, by this time Hal Jordan's got the gray streaks yeah and and whatnot um, and so almost all Clever these stories and rebirth by the way yeah that. almost all of these stories took place on earth like you didn't really see him interact with the rest of the core a ton through it there was a lot of stories about that um, and it wasn't until post um reign of the supermen that that you really got to see him go out into space a whole lot um john stewart that eddie mentioned wasn't necessarily represented in there um too much there's 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 a couple reasons for that number one um toward the end of hal jordan's tenure as green lantern before um and this would this is going into the emerald twilight storyline um basically during after superman died um Mongol who was working for the cyborg Superman showed up and just completely obliterated Coast City. Like fucking destroyed it, wiped it off the map. Um, along with most of Hal Jordan's friends, family, all that kind of shit. The Guardians of the Universe who run the Green Lantern Corps, probably the most powerful beings in the universe, which is why they're the guardians of it, refused to do anything about it, even though Hal Jordan was pretty sure they had the power to do it. So his answer was to completely wipe out the entire Green Lantern Corps. Just went fucking batshit and just killed everybody. Um, 
that was happening right about the time that I started reading Green Lantern. I caught up to the point where that was happening and was introduced to a new character called Kyle Rayner. And I love Hal Jordan. Uh, don't get me wrong. And I think he is the quintessential Green Lantern. But Kyle Rayner is kind of my Green Lantern because that's, as a teenager, reading comic books and, and seeing those events happen and stuff like that, I thought it was a pretty fresh take, take on the character. The Green Lanterns in the past had always been chosen by the rings based on being able to detect an individual's willpower and whatnot. Kyle Rayner was like taking a piss in a back alley of a bar <laughs> <laughs> and just ran into Ganthet and Ganthet was like, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and if you, if you continue to read, um, even after Hal Jordan came back and whatnot, uh, Kyle Rayner remained a lantern. And, and when he fights Sinestra, Sinestra always refers to him as a street rat because I mean, that's he was in an alley he he does even in uh rebirth yeah yeah and uh and so that's kind of a that's kind of a big deal for him but the the rebirth story is good john stewart probably wasn't as big of a role in it because he was actually um a dark star like after the the lantern core was destroyed um he didn't have a ring anymore his ring didn't work whatever the case may be he he joined an organization called uh, organization called the dark stars which were kind of similar to the lanterns um in that they were run by an offshoot i think of the guardians uh-huh. and uh he was injured like became a paraplegic at some point oh really and uh it was i forgot how he was healed i know it had to do with um with a lantern ring at, at some point and when Kyle first realized that he could create new rings and started deciding that he was going to set out and create a new core and whatnot, he actually asked John Stewart and John Stewart turned him down. So did Guy Gardner at first Guy Gardner actually had his own set of powers because they, when after the the core was destroyed, the powers that be at DC decided that they still wanted to keep Guy Gardner around. So they, they gave him these weird powers where he could like form weapons out of his hands and whatnot, like kind of a shapeshifter yeah. type deal. Um, that didn't last too long. Huh. Uh, well that was actually the second iteration they they were they did give him a yellow ring for a while before they really established um the the whole light spectrum stuff yeah i, I don't remember there was something going on with guy gardner in the rebirth series and obviously i i'm i'm not nearly as caught up on lantern the green lantern lore i think green lantern rebirth is probably outside of the new 52 the first few issues that's probably all the lantern I've read. I actually have the trades of almost everything that happened between Rebirth and New Fifty Two, so I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I've got I've got a shit ton of them, so um, they're worth checking out. Like, I don't expect people to be on the same level I am with the Green Lantern because I literally have read every issue from like nineteen ninety one all the way up until now. I still read it ongoing. Yeah. Um, but to me, that was the book that got me into comics. And then I actually, um, that, and here's, here's the funny part is a lot of people are DC or they're Marvel. Like there's not a lot of people that like both, which to me is completely stupid because there's a lot of good things out of both of those companies. And conversely, there's a lot of shit that comes out of both of those companies, but, um, kind of during the heyday of my comic book readings, um, in the nineties was, uh, one of the things that happened was the age of apocalypse. I think yeah. that was my junior or senior year. I think that that was, that was happening and that was a huge fucking deal. And consequently I've read every issue of the X-Men since that happened. So it's, See, they're, they're so good in their own ways. Like I have, I really feel bad for people who just pick like that. Like I can only read DC or I can only read Marvel because you're missing so much. Oh, Daredevil. Daredevil actually was one of my, um, uh, 
again dates me horribly but uh marvel ultimate when that first came out i signed up for that i can't remember that that was probably when i really started getting into reading book comic books oh the marvel unlimited yeah so i signed up for that and i read like the entire daredevil run and uh not the entire like you can't go all the way back to the 60s or whatever did you read the frank miller run though uh yeah i believe so yeah and uh, Spider-Man, I read Ultimate Spider-Man. I didn't want to start with Amazing because um, there's a there was a lot of baggage at the time for Amazing Spider-Man. But I read there the still en- is. yeah, there still is. I read the entire Ultimate Run, um, which I really loved. The Ultimate Run is probably one of my favorite series of books. But um, read some of the Ultimate Avengers, you know. Well, yeah. Anyway, kind of crazy. Again, kind of crazy if you dismiss one company or the other. Like you're just missing the point. I think because there are certain things that each of the companies like does better than the other or does differently the other that that is completely worthwhile it's not like a it's not like a um apples versus it is an apples versus oranges comparison they're different but not bad i mean i like apples i like oranges i just they're not the same thing yeah um the miller run on daredevil was was really fantastic and then honestly one of the best follow-ups to that is when they switched over to doing some of the titles as marvel knights so they could get a little bit more adult oriented oh right, right, right kevin yeah. smith actually wrote daredevil for a while um during some of the marvel knights stuff and that was a super good run actually and i mean i talk about kevin smith a lot about you know some of his movies and podcasts and whatnot he's actually a really really fucking good comic book writer when it comes to certain things yeah so in fact, he's done a couple of Batman books too. Batman Cacophony and Batman the Widening Gyre. I'll have to go back and check those out too. I got so much to read. Oh my gosh. See, this is the interesting thing about comic books or one of the, uh, again, another, there's a couple of things about comic books that I really love. Number one is um, how Matt feels about the Green Lantern. Like that that book out there exists for you if you want to get into comic books. Uh, um there is a book that that exists like that for you that you can fall in love with because there's so many different characters and there's so many different things you can read and so many different types of stories sold in comics. You're like we haven't even talked about Image very much, but you know, like The Walking Dead. Um, the Walking Dead is another comic book that I that I read. Uh, you know, as each issue comes out now, um, and it's a completely different sort of book from what uh, um, you know the 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 quote unquote superhero books. Um, I'm, I'm gonna... Saga. Saga is another book that I really, really love that yeah. has nothing to do with this. I'm actually only a few issues into that, but it's 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 a really well written written book, and it's it's another image book. I'm gonna gush again, um, and it might go on for a few minutes. I hope I, hopefully not too long. But Image Comics was another thing that that started basically at the time that I was reading comic books. Um, yeah. And what it was was it was a conglomeration of writers that had worked for either DC or Marvel and weren't allowed because of the Comics Code Authority or their companies. Um, dedication to upholding the comics code authority or whatever um they just they couldn't do some of the things they wanted to do as writers and as artists and everything um so you had all these guys you had rob liefeld uh todd mcfarland who founded image uh jim lee who a, a lot of people knew as the artist for um the 90s run of not the old uncanny x-men but the actual x-men book um at the time in fact that cover of X-Men number one that he did is probably one of the most iconic X-Men covers ever. Uh, so you, you have those guys that basically formed a, a co a, a cooperative together to, to publish books that they wanted to publish. And we got out of that, we got spawn, which is still ongoing to this day. Um, and that was Todd McFarlane's baby. Um, and Todd McFarlane actually wrote and, and drew for Spider-Man shortly right. before that tangential i forgot to put this in the, the show notes but uh todd mcfarland has finished a script for spawn as in a movie adaptation 
a new movie adaptation yeah. a better than than the previous movie hopefully. michael j white although michael j white did a good job as as yeah Austin. i actually like that movie I, I i didn't like the movie so much but i did like his character and i thought leguizamo killed it as the as a violator clown yeah totally because i couldn't tell it was leguizamo i thought it was a violator clown yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah, Spawn is still ongoing to this day, um, and that 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 just came from a bunch of comic book writers that were like, "Hey, you know what? Let's do let's do something of our own." Yeah, let's do something even different, even different still. Um, so you know, Marvel and DC being you know the, in, in the same vein of things, but Image is still quite a bit removed from that. So Jim Lee's Wildcats, that was a great series. I haven't read that either. No, a lot of people haven't because I mean, like I said, I'm like a little kid in the comic book shop. Like, yeah, um, and then. And then they got noticed. Obviously, there were it was a big enough deal. They did a couple crossover episodes. There was um, episodes issues. There was a Spawn Batman series that happened, and just just lots of good stuff. I mean, like Eddie said, if if you're willing to read a comic book, there's a comic book out there that that is gonna end up being yours. Um, it could be mine. It could be Eddie's. It could be any number of other books that are out there. Cause there's a, there's a shit ton of books, whether you like superheroes or whether you don't the walking dead, absolutely not a superhero comic book, but it's one of the comic books that I keep up with monthly. Like as soon as a new one comes out, I get it. I read it. Yeah. So in fact, I just finished one fifty one today. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I haven't read one fifty yet. One fifty is, I think is the next thing I'm going to read. Well, I've already said that like eight times. This episode. <laughs> I, I apparently I'm going to read until 4am or something like that, but, all right, have we, uh, we got anything else? Um, no, I don't. I don't think so. Um, one of the things that I'd like to start doing with the show as we go forward is to talk a little bit more about comic books. Um, I mean, obviously, we're still going to recap our shows and some of our favorite moments from that. And if there's there's big news, then we want to talk about it. Um, I actually just got to a point though where a lot of the comic books that I read regularly. I'm completely caught up on, um, including uh, Green Arrow and The Flash, so I can kind of um, highlight the differences between the the contrast between what we're seeing on TV and what we're seeing in the comic yeah, books. Yeah, we could definitely do a regular... Um, uh, there's some books that I, I think we both read, like definitely Batman and The Walking Dead. Uh, I'm a hair behind you, but um, I could work that out too. But there's a couple of other books I think that we could probably regularly discuss on the show as new issues come out. So, Like... The fact that Oliver Queen is a werewolf right now in okay. the comic books. Or, or a warg, if you will. Okay. I am not that caught up. No, actually, I haven't read a single Green Arrow book, honestly. It, it's weird, and, and I'll, I'll end the comic book discussion by saying this. About season... Maybe it was even during season one of Arrow. I don't remember. But uh, there there came a point where the Green Arrow comic book really started to kind of mold itself in the direction that the show was going. Obviously that's not the case anymore. Yeah. Um, and then the flash has always remained, um, pretty independent comic book versus TV show and stuff. And then over the last several months, like zoom has been his, his big nemesis, um, up until the last couple issues. Wow. And, uh, but it's, it's Eobarthon zoom. It's not. Yeah whoever presumably this zoom is right and he's in the yellow costume so it's it's i mean because a lot of people don't get this either but the um the reverse flash costume the yellow and the the predominantly yellow costume that actually was always the zoom costume before yeah so i don't know it's it's interesting um to your point about the rebirth of the flash and stuff how it was focused 
predominantly on Barry, and that was a little bit too much. I think that's actually what led into the New 52 and the whole Flashpoint paradox, because um, they essentially had two Flashes when Barry came back. Yeah. Because Wally West had been the Flash for a really long time, and then there was also Barry was back, and the only difference between the two was Wally's costume was slightly different, and I think DC was like, well, what the fuck are we going to do with two Flashes? Yeah, so um, that's another kind of funny thing. Um, f- you know, Barry Allen is probably the Flash that I know, but for a lot of people, um, Wally West is their Flash. And me, I yeah. mean the 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 Wally West Flash is the Flash I know because I read a lot of those '90s books where it was. I mean, Barry Allen died in 1985, so anything that was published after that was a Wally West Flash story. Yeah, and the Green Lantern team ups that I read about they they were Green Lantern and Wally West. Yep. So. All right, everybody, that's the show for this week. Um, As always, if you want to go on iTunes and leave us a review, we'd appreciate it. Um, You can go find us on Twitter at Whatever Show. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Whatever Show. And as usual, you can email all of your questions and comments and so on to questions at whatever.co. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we'll see you next week. Go pick up a comic book. Read it. Yeah, for real.